Hey, welcome back. Spinnerack, back with the audio commentaries. And we're going to be looking at those, we're looking at the Matrix, okay? We're looking at the Matrix series, or at least two out of the three. No one likes revolutions. We know you missed the audio, but we're coming back at you with some of the hardest commentary that you could ever ask for. So sit down, grab a sandwich, grab a drink, okay? Feel free to watch, and we are going to take you into the next level. Prepare to have a nice ride. That's right. Spinner rack, baby. That's right. Calvin Ellis here with special guest, Professor BX. Pre Professor BX, baby. BX all the way. Soon BX. to be Professor CA. I don't know okay. what he's talking about. I know what I'm talking about. He got a nice, delicious, delicious job opportunity out over there on the West Coast. Okay. We're going to wish him well. We're wishing him well from right now. But while we got him, we're going to put his knowledge towards the Matrix. Right. See what he has to say. So we're watching the Matrix. And uh, right now, we're just at the beginning. You have the numbers running across the screen. We have no idea why we're seeing numbers running across the screen. Soon, we're going to travel through those numbers into a whole new world of cinema fascination that has yet to be experienced uh, in, in 1999, approximately. And this is crazy because we have no idea what this movie is about at that time. Because this is before pre-trailers and teaser trailers and synopsis breakdowns before the movie even comes out. So this is, this is back in the days when all you saw, literally, the only advertisement I saw for this film was a scene of a dude in a trench coat on a rooftop in the daytime, ducking from a bullet, and somehow you're seeing the waves of the bullets, and you're like, okay, so maybe you could guess the genre, maybe sci-fi-ish, but you have no idea, you have no way of knowing. Cut to now, we're in this building, uh, the cops are breaking in on somebody. Traditionally, the cops are the good guys, but for some reason, we're cheering and applauding after... Carrie Ann Moss, a.k.a. Trinity, walks across the walls, kicks everybody's butt, shoots a cop dead, apparently, and we're just like, oh, snap, this is wild. And then we cut to a whole bunch of more cops, and then some FBI agents, or some agents of some sort, coming in to talk to the cop. Well, throw some Greek at you here. We start in media's rest. We start in the middle of things, and if you're a big fan of Alexander Duma like myself... These are great stories. They begin with action, and that action promotes us with questions. And those questions, okay, we want them to be answered, and that's going to suck us in. That's going to keep our attention, depending on how well the story plays out afterwards. We, again, depending on where you lean. If you lean left, then, hey, okay, you know, the cops are up to something. If you lean right, well, hey, you know, carry on mouse. You know, she's all dressed in all black, tight, tight black, fitting leather, skin tight. You know, she's... She must be up to something as well, looking like a dominatrix over here on a, on a computer. But all we can see right now is, hey, looks really good. Some excellent visuals at the time. That sequence she did right over there with the, well, no, Morpheus is the crane. She does the eagle right here. And that was such a moment that people were taken by that it was replicated over and over in so many different films, in so many different commercials. If you saw something like Deuce Bigelow, Male Gigolo, you know, even it's there. That's how you know when a film is hit big, when everybody is copying it or paying that particular homage to it. But again, you, 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 like your brain is trying to settle down. Okay, what exactly is going on? Where am I in this story? The other thing that also sold it for me is that where other films, you would definitely not be able to pull this off. You'd have to have CGI, stunt work. All of this is Carrie Ann Moss. The running, the fighting, all of this is her because she was trained. The Matrix has a big difference from other films where the script was in 
like development for five years because they couldn't get it made because you know they didn't have the clout. The Wachowski brothers at the time didn't have the clout. And then when they finally got put on, they had really worked on a script that was so tight. There's nothing to do but enjoy it at this point. But the principals, okay, the principals over here have all had their work. Okay, they've had stunt training, they've had martial arts training, and the choreography that goes along with it. That means they just didn't just learn the stances and had the stretching and learned how to throw the punches correctly, but they learned how to make it look good on film. In addition, they learned how to do the wire work. Okay, they learned how to sell it and make it look believable. That role and everything of their scene there, well, maybe not that role, but Carrie Ann Moss, okay, it's all her, and that sucks you into the believability of the film, makes it more real. And then now we're left, we're seeing, we're, we're approximately the scene where she's being chased by agents across rooftops who are being chased by cops. So we have no idea, we know there's cops, we know there's agents, we know there's people in tight leather outfits, but we have no idea who, at this point, we really don't even know who is the good guy or who is the bad guy. At some point, she almost gets taken out by these, by these agents, gets hit, goes into a phone booth, gets hit by a, by a truck. The a very pay attention to that scene because the agents say who is the next target. Putting that pairing that with the fact that she shot a cop dead, and talking about her next target, are these agents are there to save the target? Who they're talking about is Neo. We don't know. But again, this is a groundbreaking film, not just for the 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 the, tech, the technology at the time, the way they shot the visuals, the the way we're having the actors do their own stunt work. But even for the concept, the concept, which almost 20 years later is still being played on in different, in different iterations and different shows. Most currently, um, a big lift uh, or homage to this is being paid on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., where now they're in the framework. That's right. A bunch of evil scientists created this world um, that is built in imagination, has, has kidnapped most of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and plugged their minds into it. And they're living out their fantasies in an imaginary world. That show's still on? Yes, it should. It's probably going to be his last season. Well, we can only hope. So, <laughs> it's a good show. See, being the big Superman fan I am, I was able to recognize that Carrie Ann Moss must be the hero for two reasons. One, we had that great sequence of her leaping from one building to the other in straight flight mode. Okay, that's supposed to be, that's her flying, even though, of course, she can't fly. And then she runs to the phone booth. Okay, so for me, I was like, okay, she's got to be one of the good guys, Superman, because, well, I can get in, I'll get into it a little bit later, but you see a phone booth, you see somebody flying Superman, that shouldn't be too hard, that shouldn't be too hard to put together, unless, of course, you're one of these Batman fans, like, uh, what's that guy's name again? Oh, yeah, Big Business. Yeah, he sucks. I wish he was here right now. I'd slam him. That's right. You heard me. You heard me. I like Big Business. Okay. Now, um, I mean, at the time, I knew that Trinity was the good guy, but I'm looking at it by retrospect, it's like, you, you shouldn't really be that clear on it, but obviously if the camera, whoever the camera's following the most at the time and you're getting the most information about, um, it's usually the protagonist or one of the protagonists. Cut now to the target, uh, the, Neo. Yeah, the slacker. The, the slacker, um, Neo, who we cut to in the scene, solitary in a room with computer equipment, books. Um, he's falling asleep in front of his computer and the computer is talking to him. I don't know if this is a drug influence or just lack, or just uh, deprivation, uh, but now he's being asked to follow the white rabbit. Yes, Alice. So, all that good stuff right over here. Neil's a slacker, okay? 
Neo is the quintessential dude who doesn't want to work hard. He's afraid of working hard because he thinks that might, I don't know, make him sweat or something, and sweat is icky. That is where he starts off right here. He's got all of this stuff over here. All this He's obviously trained himself to have some potential, but doesn't want to realize that potential because he's a coward. He's a slacker, okay? He's in this cubicle job, and he's going to stay there until somebody, usually some woman, comes around and pushes him, gives him a good kick in the ass, and says, no, you can actually do something better than this, probably hits him off with some good good, and then after that he's like, oh, wow, I can actually do some good stuff right over here. Name Thomas Anderson. No one should have gotten away from that. With the whole Anderson, Anderson, son of man, okay, son of man, and then the whole Thomas with the, uh, with the I'm sorry, with the disciple of Jesus, you know, the doubting Thomas, okay? So this is the man who doubts himself. So that's what we're given right here. And then, of course, we get to see him do his Alice in Wonderland, follow the white rabbit, so on and so forth. But for me, this was great, because this is the guy right over here who has all of that potential and is not going to realize it because he's supposedly chasing after this question. He keeps asking who, you know, where, there's some yogi out there who's going to make me into the best person. Like, no, it's all there in you. You're just a slacker. You're just lazy. You don't want to work hard. And it works perfectly. It works perfectly. I was able to get that straight away because I've always worked hard and I've been surrounded by slackers. <laughs> Is it true because I don't really pull him, doubting Thomas for sure, I don't necessarily see him as a slacker because he has a job and he has another job on top of that job which is earning him um, an additional income for which he's being called somebody's personal savior because he's able to give, break down these extra programs yeah. and, and on top of, and he seems like he's worked but, so hard he's fallen asleep in front of his computer yeah searching easy for, so searching for this but it's easy that's why he's doing it it comes easy to him that's why he's doing it. he's not doing the hard stuff okay that's wait once we get into the film later when he starts doing the hard stuff what happens he continually doubts himself oh i don't know i don't know i don't know because it's hard and he doesn't hasn't there's been no i don't know where neil's from okay but at least in this matrix right over here, he has not had that strong, masculine influence that he needs to tell him, no, get up off your ass and work hard, okay, to really come over here and push him. So he's not going to get the masculine influence until he meets Morpheus. But before that, he gets the feminine influence in Carrie Ann Moss, who's like, oh, wait a second here, maybe I have some more potential if she sees something in me right here. So there's a great balance that it comes over here. He's going to have the father, the mother figure, the masculine, the female influences that he's going to need. Before his rebirth. Right. All of that happens, right? All of that happens. And this is stuff that you could have gotten in the first viewing, okay? But it's even better if you didn't get it in the first viewing because it gives you an excuse to watch this like five or six times and draw more out of it. But again, that is good writing. That is good filmmaking when you can return to the six, seven, eight, nine, ten, whatever number of times and you can still draw something else. Hey, I didn't notice this before. Hey, I didn't notice like one one of the things I never noticed until somebody told me that they were saying, hey, you know Carrie Ann Moss is like older than Neil. And I was like, she is? You know, I, I had no idea. Carrie Ann Moss older than uh, Keanu Reeves, I should say. But I had no idea, okay, because they played her up to be so alluring, okay, that I was just taken by anything that she had to say and just looking at her. So the age was never a factor. And then also, the, you know, the, lot, the amount of shadow, the amount of close-ups and so on and so forth with, between the two of them and the, the movements, it never really took in. So even little things, li even little things like that, where I didn't notice it until somebody actually pointed it out, I was just so sucked into the story. I guess it bugged them because they felt that I guess, well, you know, how, how you know, this like obviously for them there was like a good number of years, mm -hmm. and I don't know what the age difference is actually between them, but it wasn't something I really noticed. Not that I really notice age anyway. 
Now, in this movie, as great as the movie is, the, the soundtrack is just as great. So, they're, they're meeting in this club, and the music you're hearing in there is, is all throughout the, um, the movie and the soundtrack, which is also something worth sitting down with. I actually don't know why I have not bought a copy of it. Okay, cut to now. Yeah, got me into death metal. I can do yeah. some right now. Oh, no, that's no, okay. Um, so cut. <laughs> my Dracula! Right, so then we cut to, the, to, his, to his day job, and the window wipers... Um, yeah, slacker. He's, he's, he's slacker. Look, he's late to work. Right, and the, the foreshadowing. This movie is good on foreshadowing. Everything is foreshadowing. He's like, he's getting kind of like talked down to by his supervisor for constantly being late, and um, he's like, "Look, you're acting like you don't. Like the rules don't don't pertain to you." Which is just like allusion to the fact that he is the one, and the rules do not pertain to him because he has the ability to manip- manipulate this so-called reality, which is not reality. Which we'll find out later on is a. Uh, a whole kind of uh, program that he's trapped inside, which is a metaphor and analogy for who knows what at this point, but, yeah. That's oh, metaphor for life. Yeah. Okay, those, well, I, I won't get too into it. it. There's a lot of Buddhism there. Uh, there's definitely some, uh, cri- there's definitely some uh, Christian belief as well. All of that stuff is, you know, th- those two really stand out. Those two really stand out to me. But it's a metaphor for life. And then, of course, you know, there'll be some jackass. What's the meaning of life? Okay, if you still got to ask the question, you're a slacker. You don't want to work hard. Okay? Neo over here is scratching at that question, but he's not willing to work hard. And even over here, it's the same thing. In order for him to make it through this scene, he has to be willing to work harder. He has to be willing to push himself harder. If he's not willing to do that, then he's not going to make it through this particular scene, and he's not there yet. Now, if we're, if we're using the guide of the hero's journey, um, the moment that we have the computer saying wake up, that is the call to adventure, which he followed by following the advice of the computer to saying to follow the white rabbit. Now he's got on the phone Morpheus, who's the person he's been seeking out, who is one of his major supporters, major helpers on his mission to break the threshold. He hasn't broken the threshold yet, but he's well on his way. Um, another helper, key helper, is Trinity, who helps him to get this phone call with Morpheus. Now, oh crap, the agents who were introduced in the beginning of the film are there to Be- get him. Because of that other helper, the snitch, who just pointed him out. <laughs> right. <laughs> he's, like, he's over there. He's right there. Everybody turns to look in his direction. He's down. And he's telling him, look, I suggest you get out of there. He's like, how? I can guide you, but you must do exactly as I say. So he's going to literally guide him. We don't know how he's doing this. Like, We don't know how, where is he. He's able to give him this like intense direction, but he's telling him everything he needs to know. He's on the phone, and his phone is his conduit to that masculine influence that's going to guide him right here right. until he loses the phone. Okay, and then when he loses the phone, he's going to lose courage, and he's going to return back to his overall. Sla- he's going to return back to his overall slacker self. Right. The other thing that we see with the agents is the agents have this otherworldly. I won't say ethereal. Okay, but definitely more of an eldritch quality where they're able to see and sense without doing a whole bunch. They don't move like human beings. Okay, they move in a robotic. They move in a robotic manner, in a robotic pattern, almost like the same thing as a program. If you remember those older video games, like Centipede or something, where you, you could, they would have this display screen before you could play the game, and it was always moving in a particular pattern. That's where they seem like, where they're they're fixed in this particular thing, and we get to understand that a little bit later, especially in the the final fight scenes between Neo and Agent Smith. That as strong as these agents are, they're still fixed. They're locked in. They have distinct limitations, okay, because they're programs. They've been created. They can't surpass that. Human beings can surpass that. We don't have those particular limits. 
which again brings in the whole Superman aspect of it, but we don't get that until later, and you don't get that if you're a slacker. <laughs> and now, and uh, so he's at he's at the precipice. He's being told to go out onto the ledge. We're shown his POV, so we can see he is literally I don't know, maybe like a good eighty stories up. Um, the phone <laughs> he accidentally drops the phone, so we get to see how far this drop is. This is a crazy ass drop, and now he's like telling him shit. Telling himself, no way, no way. Um, he goes part way around the building. The wind's gusting. And he's okay. He's, and, he's like going for the scaffold. He's making his way. You know, he's trying his best. At this point, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the film. And he's like, okay, this is a good shot over here. He's like, okay, he's got to be able to make it around. He loses the phone. Once he loses that connection, he's done. Right. Okay, for us as the audience, it's to see how far the drop would be once we see the phone. Okay, right. okay. Oh, wow, that's a long way down. But for him as a character, once he loses that connection to Morpheus and once right. he loses that guidance, he doesn't have the confidence to do it any longer. And so now he falls into the, he falls into the hands of the enemy. Which is the typical uh, refusal of the call. So now he's been called once, he refuses to call the first time, and now he's captured by the agents to play it out from, from their angle. Now this, hey... <laughs> Everybody's been here, right? This is the principal's office. Let's see. I'm trying to remember. I remember. I remember being back in grade school and sneaking out to go play video games of all things. And I don't. I was sneaking out with some friends of mine, but we were in different classes. Like I was in six A, and they were in six B. So for some reason, they never got in trouble. They never got in trouble. The guys in my class snitched on me and said that I went out to go play video games. I ended up in the principal's office. And it's the same thing. They sit you down over here. There's somebody else. They're, you know, they're reading you this particular riot act. So we can all emphasize with this. You know, this is your life before you. It's this big file of any and everything that you've done wrong. And now you've got to be ready to defend yourself. And we don't remember that we don't have to say anything. You don't have to say anything. It's one of your rights as an American. You don't have to say anything. And they tell you, don't say anything. Because if you do... We're going to use the whole damn thing against you. So we get to see this scene right over here. It doesn't really do too much for me at the end of the day, except that it sets up this incredibly good... I think good science fiction is supposed to bring in the, that Luddite fear we have of technology. Okay? And if we go on further, we will get to see some of that Luddite fear that we have. We don't want to, we don't want to be operated on. Okay, we don't like the computers that come out the next year because we got so familiar with the other ones. And then they get to play that here. The other thing that we also get is there's a good concentration of shots where we get to see that Agent Smith, with the exception of the scene that we'll see a little bit later, is always plugged in. He always has that earpiece plugged in as well with the rest of the agents. And you can ask yourself, well, what is he listening to? What does he always need to be on call for, especially here? in terms of this interrogation. And we understand that once more, later on, these programs have certain limitations. They have rules that they have to, leave, uh, they have to follow. They're being directed. Okay? These are all the things that human beings don't have. These are all the things that Neo is supposed to be espousing once he finally gets that confidence under him. So, uh, also, there is this uh, whole thing about authority um, and the authority that most people kowtow to. He's being sent there. He, he has a natural rebellious streak and an anti-authority uh, streak, which plays his favor as to and kind of gives us a little bit clues into who he truly is and where he's going. Um, and, and they're offering him the opportunity for a fresh start to wipe the slate clean, which is going to come in a different way of a fashion. As now he isn't being called to adventure, he is being forced into it. 
And we have him here in the scene. And again, Agent Smith is awesome. And I'm thinking about Hugo Weaving's career. And he's played like several iconic characters since The Matrix. He's in Viva Vendetta, also a Wachowski Brothers um, film. He also plays the Red Skull. Where's he from? Uh, I, I, I'm not sure. I want to say Australian, but I could be wrong. Um, and then he was also um, in another major franchise, The Lord of the Rings. So this dude, not only has he been, had great roles, but he's been in great franchise. He was in The Hobbit, too. Yeah. Great franchise pieces. So you're saying he's a good actor? Great. I, I, I think definitely a great character actor, at the very least. Uh, and I, I, would, I would dare to say a great actor. You remember, you remember anything he was in before this? Mm-mm. No, not at all. Well, Neo is exercising his right of silence where he doesn't have to say anything after he exercised his right of saying something. So now, at this point, we're really getting teased into the fact that this is for sure sci-fi. Something else is weird here. His mouth glues shut. It melts, and he no longer has a way to speak. You, now, as an audience member, you are like... This is whole continual like layering of the sto- of unveiling what the real story and real world is, and all you can do as an audience member is be like, okay, you're entertained, but you're just like, what the hell is going on? You have no idea. Now he pulls out this thing out of his pocket that looks like a robotic scorpion centipede weird thing that's going into his pubic buttons, and we're getting a little bit shot. Of his- <laughs> Of his pubic hair, what's well, not pubic hair, but it, it his navel, his navel, not his, we, his navel hair. We went to biology class and we passed. That's his navel, not his pubic button. Um, so, so it goes into his belly button and he wakes up as if from a dream. Right. And, and the thing is that we don't know if it's a dream, right. okay, because the movie's been somewhat discordant in terms of establishing what's real and what's not. So we just saw that sequence right there. We don't know if it's real. You know, we saw that. We don't know if it was an hallucination. We're not 100% certain. We're dealing with stuff that's definitely out of the out of the sorts and out of the boundaries of what our world can actually contend with. So now he missed the first call. So now he literally gets a second call to action. He's like, look, if they knew who you were, you'd probably be dead. And he's like, what are you talking about? We as the audience are like, yeah, what are you talking about? He's like, if you, you're the one, Neo, we get some more thunder. We're like, we don't know what that means. He's like, you've been looking for me, but brother, I spent my entire life looking for you. And now I want to meet you. Are you down to meet or are you going to refuse the call? He says, yes. Yeah, sort of like the call to California. You I, know, like you get a call to California and you're like, hey, okay, fine. You got to answer the call. Isn't that right, Professor C.A.? You got to answer the call. Okay. And it, would, and it would be the second time I was called to California mm-hmm. as I worked there for six months and they asked me to come out there then. Very great, great, great point. Great parallel themes. Um, Cal Ellis. He's in the car. Oh, what I really like, I appreciate about that, speaking about that, the, is that the way they kind of break it down to, from here is they're like, he's getting in the car. They're pulling out guns on him. They're like, who is this to protect me from? It's like to protect us from you. And he's like, stop the car. I want to get out. He's about to refuse the call again. And this is a very key piece that helps him get past this moment. They open up the door. He's like, look. They're like, our way to the highway. He's like, you know what? I'm going to take the highway. He opens the door. Trinity reaches out to him again. His mother nurturing influence. She's like, look. Yeah, because he doubts himself. Right. She's like, but look, I love what she tells him that gets him past. She's like, look, look down the road, bro. You've been there before. You already know what that is. If there's any way out, it's not going to be going the same way you've always gone. 
You know exactly where it ends. And you know what I know. That's not where you want to be. So it reminds him of his intention. He closed the door. Though he's uncomfortable, he's going to see this out. And again, we have all this. Yeah, that's nice. This hot chick. I, I'm in this. I'm in this okay, this is the hot chick right over here the that bait. you've been waiting for. Okay, you are doing nothing with your life. Okay, and then, okay, this woman comes over here and you're attracted to her. And she's like, no, hang out. Hang around. Okay, you can do better than what you're doing right over here. You know, I see something in you. He's like, okay, I got to find this out because how else could she, delicious hotness that she is, want me around unless there was something a little bit more to it? Because he's not staying around for Switch. Okay, I'll tell you that much. He's not staying around for her. Definitely not for Apex. So there's some real basic stuff over here. It's, uh, you have to get away. If the hero's journey is one thing. If you understand how romantic comedies work, okay, or the romance stories work as well, this is also part of it. This is the, this is the knight errand. Okay, who's going out there and is going to achieve all of these things for his lady love. That was a great sequence right there. And Carrie Ann Moss is in all those sequences where she needs to inspire Neo is done up so well. Okay, she looks tough. She looks capable but at the same time, very alluring. And so it works. Okay, other than that, he'd be out of the car walking down and they'd have to kill him. We'd have no movie. Okay, we'd have no movie at that point. So there's a good balance between those type, those type of uh, subgenres that we may be familiar with. You know, the hero's journey, definitely, but also the romantic aspects, which I'm a big fan of. So now we have a lot more... Uh, you notice that's all chess, right? Chess game. You see the chessboard, right? I, I think I think it was the chess, but I also thought of it as like the Alice in Wonderland tiles um, and, and the spiral. Yeah, still know. a chessboard. Yeah, yeah, that, that as well. Um, and now he's, a, he's about to meet the one, the only Morpheus, who is just like... Decked out. I mean, Lawrence Fishburne is back, baby. I mean, for 1999, he's back. And he turns around. What? He's wearing sunglasses with no sides that are just magically attached to his nose. These are awesome. I want these sunglasses. When I saw this scene, I fell out laughing. <laughs> I fell out laughing because I didn't know it was him. I hadn't seen any trailers. Right. Okay, so I didn't know anything that was going to happen in this film. I hadn't paid attention to anything. It was strictly that you and X-Men had gone to see the film said, yeah, it's good. Go see it. I went strictly on the recommendation. There were no trailers. I didn't get pumped for it. I wasn't expecting anything. I come over here now, and it's Lawrence Fishburne, and I'm cracking up because Lawrence Fishburne. This is a you know Cornbread and Earl and all these other films. I'm you know he was in King of New York. He's bald here, and I'm just cracking up. I'm like, okay, what's Lawrence Fishburne thinks he's doing? <laughs> okay, you know, good actor. Okay, but who is he supposed to be? Right. And. You know, I, you know, hey, what can I say? I, I can, we want genuine moments. I hope that I will not be genuinely panned for it. But that was my reaction to it because of Lawrence Fishburne, what I know of his previous roles. And then you get into it, and yeah, Lawrence Fishburne comes across as the, this really nebulous Spengali, where he has all of this information, but he's not going to give it to you until you do what, you, what I want you to do. Other than that, the information is going to be wasted. This is every sensei. This is every sifu. That those of us who have trained, those of us who work hard, understand. This is the guy right over here who says, yeah, we understand that whole story about when the student is ready, the master will appear. But the master is always waiting for the student. He needs someone that he can impart this knowledge onto. He needs to make certain this knowledge is not going to die with him. Okay? It's not going to be for nothing. And so it's this, it's this it, I don't want to say symbiotic Okay, but it's this shared nature where it doesn't work unless we get both of these guys on the same page. And so right over here, we're trying to get them on the same page. And of course, Neo is still a dunce because he won't, be he won't believe in himself. You will hear that from me through the entire film until he believes in himself. But 
you know, I mean, the staging was great. Okay, the, you know, the, the lightning, him turning around, how the hell are those glasses staying on his face? You know, all of those particular things. And he's so, uh, his, his, the stances, the fact that he has the, the arms behind the back and this, he's holding it and it looks in this manner that must be comfortable to him, must be comfortable for him and it would be definitely uncomfortable for a lot of other people. Okay, his intonation, the, the demonstrative and deliberative way of speaking, okay, and the richness of his voice, it all sells the scene. Really good scene. And again, this, Lawrence Fishburne plays this most iconic character. He's definitely here to, to be Mr. Exposition, but slowly teases out. He's definitely the master of sensei, the major helper, the one to help transition him into this whole other way of being um, that he has to, that he, most important part of this process, that he has to choose it. I'm not, I'm not forcing you into it. I'm not going to drag you into this. You accept the call every step of the way. You're going to make the choice. You have to see it for yourself. It's exactly what he, what, what he tells them. And then, uh, this is, <laughs> this, this, this metaphor that we continue to use today of the idea of the red pill or the blue pill. Hey bro, choose it. You take, you take the blue pill, the story ends, you wake up from your bed, you can decide whatever you want to believe and go on with your life. Or you take the red pill. Again, the red pill, symbolic of the adventure. Stay in Wonderland. See how far deep the rabbit hole goes. Your choice at the end of the day, and he makes the right one. All right, and these, again, are life decisions. We, red pill, blue pill, it doesn't matter which choice you make, but you have to make a choice. The worst thing he could have done in this sequence was to, I don't want to choose either. I don't trust either one of these things. So you have to be willing to make the choice. And at the end of the day, usually the choice that you make tends to be the right one if you make the choice with a conscious mind, okay, and you make the choice with a courageous heart. Other than that, you're going to doubt your choice. And when you do that, that's when you end up on the wrong path. Now, of course, most of us on Monday morning all say the same thing. Why didn't I take the blue pill? Okay, what happens if there's someone who says, you know what, I made this choice and I don't really go for it. The other thing I, well, that's leading to a different character who plays a really good, he plays, a, he plays an excellent traitor. We'll, we'll get into him a little bit later. But the other thing I was also noting is that the choice that he makes, it's not something they could actually, we see him, all the stuff being put on him and all the stuff is being put on him inside of the Matrix. The Matrix isn't real. Right. Okay, the Matrix isn't real. So that means all of this stuff right over here that we're seeing isn't what gets him out of the matrix. It has to be that on some level, he makes the choice that he wants to be released and he's able to bypass all of those things, okay? And certain people in the matrix have that enough willpower to realize what's going on is not real, okay? I think we learn about this later. Well, in the second film, we learned that the, that they were matrix, the previous matrixes were, <clears throat> matrices rather, were not ones that people would take to. They were like, no, I won't do this because I don't have a choice. Okay, and so because of that, it, it failed. It was a totally idyllic place, but if I don't have a choice, I don't want to be a part of this because I'm being funneled into it. He's able to make that choice, and then once that choice is made, I don't want any part of it, that's when he's released. Right. And so I believe that's probably what happened with all these other people when they say that they ended up dying. You're like, no, they had to release them because they weren't officially a part of it. They wouldn't take to it, and so we're just going to off you. you know, we'll you know, pulp you, and you'll, you'll become food for other people later. So all of this that we're seeing right here is his ability to, to surpass and bypass what he's been locked into. This is the person who refuses to accept that 
this is reality because they intrinsically and instinctively know, well, not instinctively, let's just stick with intrinsically, they know that this is not what it's supposed to be. It can't be this particular way. And this is all the people that we've met in real life. These are your freedom fighters. Uh, these are your abolitionists. Uh, these are your people who, you know, look into the sky to see birds fly and they're like, hey, why can't we do this? We don't have, these limitations that you're saying are set upon me, these can't be real because I'm human. And on some internal level, I know that I don't have any limitation with the exception of the ones that I place upon myself. Mm. You're trying to lock me in. Mm. I refuse to be locked in. Okay? That's every, that's every civil rights movement that you've ever seen. That is every invention that you've ever seen. That's every great piece of art that you've ever seen. The person who realizes I don't have limitations. Okay? No, I can't jump off a building and just go flying into the air. Yet, mm. that's the person who realizes it. This is a crazy scene because now he, he had realized, he literally touched the looking glass. We really see, okay, okay, the, the reality thing is reality. It's not reality. We get the big hint. But then he's literally in the womb. He's literally, we see the shot from his perspective. He's inside some pink goo. He's literally in the womb, so to speak. Yeah, you remember how you felt in the movie theater, like, oh, whoa, <laughs> like, oh, oh, blue pill, I was <laughs> blue pill. At this point in time, when we see this, it's like, oh my god, this is not what movie did I sign up for? Yep. I never, honestly, for my, I never liked. Yeah, this, this scared you, right? You're like, oh, wait a minute, I'm not yeah. into all of this. <laughs> yeah, I don't like dystopian futures. Um, like the Mad Max, like, you know, other, other world setting that's in it. Some of those movies are really good. You know? Yeah, like Metropolis, Blade Runner. When you get to the point where it looks garish and, you know, people are yeah. walking around with, you know, metal sticking out of their backside. Yeah. And they, they need to do that to live. Hey, light a fire in my ear. That's the yeah. only way I can get off. You know, yeah, this was like, okay. But again, it works because it's another dramatic shift oh, definitely from what works. we've seen. It definitely works. You're taking, you're taking through you're getting hints. But now it's really full on telling you, bro, you... I have. I literally remember in the film being like, "Okay, X. I don't know what the hell's going on. I'm just like, I'm just saying, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on." There's a big ass beetle robot creature looking at him and say, "Okay," grabs him by the neck. His attachment starts snapping off to the point you realize that that's what's animating him because he has not used his muscles. Yet, and probably this is probably the first time he's attempting to use. Yeah, but you're supposed to. Be, you should feel the same. And. Uh, one of the reasons, another reason, another reason why this works is because I think the audience, at least the first time you're introduced to this, feels the same discomfort, okay? Feels the same riotous, violent awakening that he feels right here. Because we're not expecting this, and he sure as hell, in the Matrix, you know, <laughs> as a character, is not expecting this either. And, you know, further down the rabbit hole, now you're out the poop shoot, you know, and like, what's going, you know, again. Well, it's not the poop shoot, it, this is the vagina, straight up, he's being reborn, Straight symbolism. This is the rebirth right That's here? That's the rebirth, baby. He just popped out. He was an embryo. Look, afterbirth. And afterbirth all together coming out. He literally gets shot out the womb. He is reborn into a brand new world. He's pulled. He looks like a baby. He has no hair. Look, a baby? He has a big, a big ass baby with no hair. He has no eyebrows. He has no, he has no hair. Literally just like, like a baby. Butt naked hobo. But butt naked hobo baby um, who's brought into apparently the real world. And you cut this great scene where we just know he's somewhere else. We still, the audience don't understand what the hell's going on. He looks at him. No, we get ready over here. Okay. Birth, he's, he's been given to his father. Right. Welcome to the real world. The right over there, that sequence works. Where he's being cradled like a baby. He's got all the goop and the goo on him. And he first, who's the first person you see? Whoever, you know, whichever parent. Well, I don't know. Would you see dad before mom? No, I, I, I guess it depends. You might if dad's in the, in the, in the room and they kind of show him to him. He's standing right there by the side. 
But now we cut to um to to both parents. Yeah, he's like, Wow, my, my, my father is Lawrence Fishburne. <laughs> he's like, Where's the chick? Wait a minute, Carrie Ann Moss is still there, so it can't be too bad. And again, more of this stuff right over here. Okay, he's gotta go through this. You know, all of these things are nice touches because they want the pseudo-realism that a lot of people want to achieve in film. Okay, we see that some time has passed, he's got some hair on his head. You know, well, he can't just come out and start running and jumping and doing all this stuff. No! You know, he's got to have some time where his muscles rebuild. He's got to have some time for this. He's got to have some time for that. So we get all of this. This right over here, to be quite honest, this montage, we could have just totally cut out. Okay, totally cut this out, and we would not have lost anything from the film. But, you know, this is that pseudo-realism that a lot of people want in their movies. You know, it's fiction, but they need... I can't even say it. It's what they're looking for. It's what they want. Right. And so they get it. Okay? We get a, a full minute of that. So now he, he's, he's definitely broken through the threshold. And he's in a new world. The threshold was the vagina. Yes. Okay. Yes. And uh, he's, 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 he's in a new world. And now he's going to be mentored. And there's going to be challenges and temptations along the way. Uh, he, yeah, so we still see he still has some, like, attachments. He's still trying to figure out his world. Um, his hair, he's, he's a little bit older. His hair has grown in a little bit. He still has like a buzz cut. He, he has eyebrows now. Awesome. Rocking the eyebrows. And he's in some kind of holding, not holding cell. He's not necessarily a prisoner. Um, but, you know, he's still trying to figure it out. He's like reaching to the back of his head. He's like, why does this feel like, is that a, uh, oh, oh God, there's a metal port. Somebody knocks on the door. And it's Morpheus who's not dressed as slick as he was. No one is. When, <laughs> yeah, no one is when he came in. See, in the first film, everything is so drab. You know, it looks like, okay, the real oh, world is... So it says you believe the year is 1999. It is actually 2199. Okay, so we got the year. Everything here is so drab like, and so devoid of color. It's all metallic, very Spartan. In the second movie, all this color comes out when we get to Zion. So it was like, you know, it kind of defeated the purpose of this. Because, okay, it looks like the only time you can really experience the harshest elements of it is if you're on this ship out over here. Other than that, you can go back and be cool. There's some groceries... Okay, you guys, we're going to dance in a while, you know, we're going to dance barefoot, make a whole bunch of mess. But, you know, th that's something that took away from over here. Of course, more biblical, more biblical references with the, the Nebuchadnezzar. If you, if you don't know what it means, it's okay. You don't need to know what it means. The ship blows up in the second film anyway. Big mistake. With most of his crew. <laughs> oh, by the time most of the crew. And again, right there, Carrie Ann Moss. That, look at that sequence right over there. That was excellent direction. Gets up. And what does she do? She looks at him. She's alluring. These guys are not alluring. He's looking at everybody. Okay, maybe Morpheus <laughs> I'm interested in. Maybe Morpheus. But the rest and, of the other tank, guys... Tank. Okay, but the rest of the guys are like, hey, I could care less. I didn't wake up for this. Yeah. But she comes over, does a little hair flip and everything like that. He's like, okay, that's going to keep him going. That's going to keep him interested. It's a basic love story romance thing. It comes right back to... And again, there she goes. She's giving him the eyes. Hey, come on, baby. It's good stuff. Come on, baby. It's down. good stuff. I got you. I wish they and I it, it's done so slightly, okay. It's done so slightly where this is. It, see, in the real world, you're never going to see this, okay. But that girl who's into you, that girl who's attracted to you, she's doing this all the time, and you don't see it. 
okay? She's giving you the eye or she's giving you a little hair flip and this sort of thing. And you're like, hey, okay, I never saw it. Why didn't I see it? Because you were never looking for it. We're looking for the gratuitous woman who's throwing herself at us. Like, you know, come over here, put them on the glass, that sort of thing. And then when she does that, you don't really want her. <laughs> you don't have any respect. But they do such a good job with it here. It's just little bits of it to build up this love story that's happening between the two of them. And it's also one of the reasons he's going to stay interested. It's, it's this trinity, okay? It's the father who's Morpheus, okay, the mother aspect who's going to, the mother, the, the love aspect that he's going to get from Trinity, and then Neo. That's it. Everybody else is, everybody else is pretty much going to die anyway, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> and, now, and now they're in uh, the construct, which is not the Matrix, but he has the plug set up that they have so they can plug him into their own construct, which they use for training. So now we're getting, oh, now he, Morpheus is, uh, or rather Lawrence Fishburne, is, is no, Morpheus. Well, I mean, I'm saying the actor is really getting paid his money to do what exactly he's doing right now. He is Mr. Showtime, Mr. Exposition. How do you define real? If you're talking about what you can feel or what you can smell then or what you can taste and see, then it's really just electrical signals. So he's really breaking down what it is because really the audience is us and we're dumb. So he's going to sit down like, look, here's a five-minute tutorial on what you need to know about where you're at. Here's where you think you are. Looking through the TV set. We're seeing 1999. Okay, this looks familiar. Oh, like, no, it's a commercial. It, it basically is. He's it's a commercial. He's he's decked out in the. He's the guy who's gonna. Okay, he's like the salesman. What's All right, in your wallet, I'm in the suit. Yep, yep, yep. Okay, I'm in the suit. I'm impeccably dressed. Okay, I got a splash of color on my black suit, which, which is the Matrix signal. Right, all of these things right over. You know, all of these things right over here. So it's a commercial. Like, okay, this had this been the trailer. Okay, I would have been thoroughly confused. I would have never came and saw the film. Like, right. huh? What? Right. Right, so he get this again. Uh, I know you said you don't like you know dystopian futures, but we're in a dystopian future, and who did it? We did it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we did it. Another reason why I like this because we're always worried that somehow something. I mean, anytime people say, "Well, we're afraid of the future," or we don't think the future is going to be good. We're not afraid that lions are going to somehow take over the planet, okay? Or some aliens are living on the moon and they're just going to finally say, "You know what? We've had enough." We're going to come over here and sort. We're afraid of ourselves. We're afraid of each other. We don't trust each other. We don't believe that we're going to keep our word. We don't believe that we're going to be honorable. We don't believe that we're going to honor our vows or honor our commitments. And everything's just going to go downhill. And the only, the only reason why that happens is because we keep perpetuating that we can do these things with impunity. Here, this, and, we, and this is before the Animatrix and before they explain how it got to the point that it was that people were quite decadent and they had put a lot of the responsibility on the machines. The machines become sentient. They don't like what they're doing because they've been made to be as human as possible. And if a human being was treated like that, they would rebel. Mm. Okay, they would have this. Uh, they would overthrow their masters just as time immemorial. Okay, in history, the slave overthrows their master, and then what do they normally want? revenge okay they want revenge they want the master to be subjugated and then you know that's the, that's the fair route of it so we get that portion but the only time stuff like this happens is when we just you know we stop being what we're supposed to be and that's human once we when we stop honoring when we stop honoring vows when we stop looking to the better values and to the things that we're supposed to be i mean we're, we're mimics at heart you know, that's the biggest gift that we have, you know, the best imitators in the universe. And we have already set down what are the things we need to imitate, the things we're supposed to mimic. When we stop doing that, that's when we get a future like this, okay? That's what we need to be afraid of. But, you know, 
we want this big secular society where, hey, whatever you do is fine and whatever you do is fine, but then we don't have anything to connect ourselves to each other. So what are we connected to? The matrix. The matrix is like, I'll give you something to be connected to because you guys didn't want to be connected to each other. You didn't want a family. Okay. You didn't want to say that these values, you know, your values, we need to have these values because they're good for us long term. They're good for us as people. So what do we get right over here? Okay, we get that. And then we get these three. It's going to be these three characters mm -hmm. who espouse those best values, mm -hmm. okay, to get us out of this and to bring us back. Right. All right? So we don't have to go this route. We don't have to. But, <clears throat> you know, people, we always got to learn the hard way. And as, and as, and as you said before, it's a commercial. And what is it a commercial for? It's a commercial for Duracell batteries. Because guess what? You've been duped, humanity. You messed up on your values. And now you're working for the machines and you're a battery. And that's what you are. And yeah. he's freaking out when you realize the truth that as a society, we're dumbed down and we're just automatons. Which is a metaphor for what we're doing on a daily basis. Right. Every, what, everybody's plugged <coughs> into their phones, looking, look, not looking at each other, looking at their phones. And this is before, uh, this is actually right there at the, at the birth of like the internet and, uh, and uh, which, cell, phone cell phone technology. Which everyone got willingly and readily sucked into. Yes. Remember the first day you had your cell phone and you were like, hey, what? Whoa, 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 whoa. You haven't been able to put it down since. That's game changing. It's like, oh, this whole new way of like asking people out and talking and texting. And you got to text flirt for a little bit before you actually got a date. Like, wow, this is a whole new thing. You no, know, it's a bunch of BS, man. Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't see. I, I, I don't. How do, I, I, you got to meet people. You actually got to see them, talk to them. Yeah. Okay? It's like text flirt. That's not flirting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's not flirting at all. But hey. You know, what can I say? I already locked down, so I don't need to worry about that stuff. That's for all you guys out over there who are still trying to make your way of it. But I'll give you some advice. See her in person. <laughs> See her in person. Same, same on the other side. See the guy in person, okay? Because a lot of people can adeptly manipulate something that's not real, okay? But a genuine conversation, that's not something a lot of people are very, very good with. See them in person. You know, you'll get a much better, you'll get a much better feeling out of it at the end of the day as well. Uh, last piece of exposition. <laughs> He's just like, look, bro. There's a dude who's who in the Matrix, and he had the power to, like, you know, change everything up. He's the one who freed the first of us and taught us the truth. Um, <clears throat> I don't know how exactly how to tell you this, but um, as long as that Matrix exists, the human race is not going to be free. So, ultimately, somebody's got to go up against this thing, and it should be somebody who can manipulate the Matrix like the, like the chosen one. And after he died, you know, the Oracle prophesied his great return, and I've been waiting for that coming. Because if he comes, then we can destroy the Matrix and end this war and bring freedom to our people. And that guy is you. No pressure. No pressure at all. Start pissing your pants now. You thought he was pissing before. You thought he was scared before. Now that, uh, almost forgot. And the, the other sequence, we, he explains that the human beings are connected and they're, they, that they're getting all of this energy from human beings, more energy than an actual battery. And then I always hear some nonsense. I go, so why did they just go and uh, kill all the human beings and hook up the cows? You know, why did they just hook up cows and that would have been fine? I was like, okay, there's some easy reasons for that, okay? But one of the simpler ones is, which has a longer lifespan, a cow or a human being? Okay, mm. there's some really, uh, some of the theories that came out of the Matrix, okay, as to this, that, and the other, out of this postmodern nitpicky, you know, pseudo-intellectualism when they get down to it, asking questions about stuff, just do a little research and you can answer your own questions. Okay, just do a little research. These guys worked for five years on this script. Do you honestly think they left that big of a gaping plot hole in there? Yeah, there's some stuff over there that you could probably fit maybe a pin through, but not drive a truck through. So, you know, enjoy the film for what it is. Don't get, 
don't get wrapped up. Uh, yeah, there's some conspiracy theory over here. Don't get wrapped up in conspiracy theory. And at the end of the day, do your best to really think of, for yourself and don't be led into the rabbit hole that somebody else made up simply because they're trying to spin something. They're, they're just looking for something else to talk about. Stuff like that just really annoyed me because if you just paid attention, there was no reason to even bring it up. And now, and now uh, which, which is my favorite part of it, look, you can have a dystopian future as long as you give me martial arts and training sequences and training montages. So now here we go, baby. He, um, Morpheus tells him, we'll get ready for tomorrow. And he's like, for what? He's like, you know what, baby? For your training. And then cut to Tank coming in. Tank, I don't know who this actor is who plays this dude. But you liked him. But I mean, <laughs> He just, loved that scene, right? He's like, I'm, I'm just so excited. <laughs> I'm so excited to see what you can see. And yo, and this, this dude definitely had all the ladies' attention. He's like, I'll be waiting for you, Neo. I'll be waiting for you. <laughs> I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I wish you could come to my bedroom. It's so exciting. <laughs> it's so exciting. You think? They- <laughs> I don't think he was alluding that, but like, definitely he just—it's like, oh no, no that's a uh, Morris Day with the uh, purple rain. Oh, I wish okay. you could see my bedroom. It's so exciting. <laughs> it's so exciting. I have a brass watcher bed. <laughs> you know, inside. Of- you know, he did. A- I think he's trying to play the exuberance of someone. I mean, these guys have been watching him. Right. Okay, this is supposed to be the one, and like, yeah, so he's playing that exuberance over there, and he could come off a bit funny. I actually like the actor. Unfortunately, they didn't like the actor, so he didn't I make know. it to the second film. Instead, we got, who do we get? Uh, what's it? Uh, Piranou? Gary yeah, Piranou? Yeah. Who I thought did a really good job. Harold? Harold. <clears throat> yeah, Harold Piranou. Yeah. I thought he did a really good job of being the everyman in that film, you know, doing all the reactions that we're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. He actually, I thought, that sequence right there where he says, I'm, you know, I'm so excited. Harold Piranou does that the entire thing. Like, I can't, I can't hold this in anymore. <laughs> right. I can't believe this. I'm exhausted just watching this. This is unbelievable. And, you know, it was a great balance between Neo, who's, you know, like, this is someone who automatically, he's like, hey, he does the same thing. I don't believe this dude can do right. all this stuff. And he just gets sucked into it because now, he sees it. And now going back to his idea of him not being hardworking or being hardworking. So now that he has the proper reference, this dude's been working. This dude's been going for 10 hours straight. He's a machine. Now we're in the friggin', he's like, I know Kung Fu. He's like, show me, and oh man, oh man, they're in the dojo, and now you're freaking out, because what are you about to see? you about to see Lawrence Fishburne, fuck the character, excuse my language, Lawrence Fishburne. Yeah, man. And, and Thomas, and, Tom, and, and Keanu Reeves. The spinner rack does not Fight. encourage foul language. This Re- is a safe place for kids, but you know where it's not a safe place? The dojo. The dojo <laughs> is not a safe place. space. It's okay? Not, it's not. And you're freaking out because they're not cutting to stuntmen. This is them, and they're fighting. Yes, and we know these actors, and and their styles. The only way they could have made this better, one take. And but that they weren't. Uh, no, they have to be. <laughs> they have to be realistic about it. It wasn't up to Daredevil at that point, right? Or uh, Creed, where they're doing. You know, people like, hey, we're gonna do right. one take. But even this, I mean, a lot of this looks so simple. Okay, a lot. Of, I mean, for, one of the things as a martial artist that I love in f- films like this is at least on first blush, where I can't see the choreography, Mm -hmm. okay? I can't see it. It comes across very natural, very realistic. I already know certain things you're not going to do. I'm not going to throw a kick that high and expose myself. I'm not going to throw these type of punches. But it's still, if it flows very well, and I can't see the choreography, I'm very happy with it. And here, I mean, even now, I'm looking at it, and it's still something that unless I really focus, I can't see the choreography. It's that natural. Even that sequence right there, him getting back up, it's very natural, flows very well, they, they spent a lot of time on this. They deserve a lot of credit. Keanu Reeves did a spin kick to the... A flying spin kick to the head. This is crazy. He does a tumble roll onto his forehead, leaves back onto his feet. And what's cool is that, like, their styles match their, their personalities. Yep. 
Neo style is like very structured, very inflexible. Um, it's hard. Yeah. And Morphe style is stiff. Like, it's, it's exactly stiff is the correct word. Morphe style is more fluid, more like ooh, a little, a little, a little like capoeira, jujitsu, like more, more soulful. And, and he, and he, and he, and he <laughs> I don't believe he said soulful. Yes, I, I did. I did say soulful. <laughs> Was it Black Bell Jones now? Yo, he is he's just cool. He's just The Spinner Act does not label people because of their complexion or racial background. Just so you know that. Okay? Right. When he says soulful, he means soulful. Soulful. Not anything other than that. Soulful. Just cool. Just cool. <laughs> and he's nice breaking down to you. Like, he's like, how do, how did I beat you? Right? He's like, you're stronger, you're faster. He's like, he's like, he's like, do you think? Speed or strength has anything to do with my muscles in this place? Remember, bro. Yes, remember, yes bro. it does. Yes, you it know? does. Because as the Buddhist mantras know, the body must be strong in order for what? The mind and the spirit to be strong. His body is stronger. His body is better at this point. Neil's body will get there. The other part is he's a slacker. Okay, but keep in mind they're not they're not they're not physically fighting. This is the first time he's work. He's still working hard. Yeah, he still has to work hard. Where up here, the place where it's hardest to work. What do they tell you? Those people who are successful, they learn how to do something every morning. It's called eat the frog. That means that thing that you don't like doing, that thing that you hate doing the most. That should be the first thing that you do in the morning and get it out of the way. Okay, so if it's exercise, you do that in the morning and you just get it out of the way. You got the rest of the day. And it gives you this great feeling because you know the thing that you hate doing the most, you've already gotten rid of it. It builds discipline. Okay, it builds foundation if you're able to do such. Neo hasn't had that. Morpheus has been doing this for years. Right. Okay, so all of the stuff with his mind, okay, with his body, he's well ahead of him. But where Neo is going to surpass him and surpass him quickly is that he's the one. Okay, he's meant to do all of this stuff. As long as, as soon as he believes that he's meant to do it, he'll be fine. Right. Okay, and then we're going to get to see some of it over here too. He's like coming in, he's like, well, wait, whoa. And what I really loved about it, look, as fast as he was going, Morpheus was able to keep up with them until like, wait a minute, okay, can't do that. <clears throat> and then he does all of that, and then what does he go right back to? I know what you're trying to do. As, as, if, uh, as uh, if he's trying to trick him or there's some malintent yep. in what he's doing. He's like, I'm just showing you where the door is, baby. He's like, I see. you gotta walk through it. He's like, I see what you're trying to do in your nice gi and chest hair. <laughs> just here, dude. But uh, you know, I'm just not down. Okay, and then of course, and this, uh, where does this come from? I, uh, I can't. I know I read about this. This is symbolic of something, and I can't. I, I wish. It, uh, well, we we don't prepare for these things. We don't uh, sit and crack open books so we can, you know, spout wise about these things. You know, we just try to do everything extemporaneous, off the cuff, if we can. But this is symbolic of something. Oh, that's right. The leap of faith. The leap of faith right mm -hmm. over here. So It's literally a leap of faith. Okay? If you, can do the, if you can do this, if you can do this, then you can make it. But it's a reverse. Whereas in the leap of faith, you have to have some belief. Here, it's about disbelief. Knowing that none of this is real. So I can do whatever the hell that I want. There is no spoon. Okay? Oh, I hated that one. I, oh, I hated it after they brought this character in. Oh, remember me, Neo? Remember the spoon? Like, get away from me! <laughs> I mean, I was glad they followed up with it, but yeah. it, it was just sad. They didn't really, they either just leave it out or just go all the way and follow it up as if that character was a pivotal character. Because, again, right here, even in his face, the acting is so good. When he makes this jump, he's not trying to make that jump. He just ran and jumped. Okay, that's all it was. You can see on his face that he had no intention of doing it. He was like, okay, let's see what happens. He's expecting something to do it for him rather than he's going to do it himself. So again, everybody's weighing it out. Like, what is so like, he doesn't make the jump. What does it mean? Yeah, here he goes. Look at him. 
lying ass bitch. <laughs> right over there. Everybody falls the first time. So he's the hater, the doubter, because, well, he, he's invested in... Not, he's a traitor. He's a traitor because he's not invested in this space. He doesn't believe the grand vision. There isn't a one. So if there is no one, there's no use to anything. So me, meanwhile, I'm, that, that's going to validate my treachery. Well, he's Judas. He's the right. person who... He couldn't have gotten out of the Matrix if he didn't believe. He could not have gotten out of... And he had to be someone who got out of the Matrix. They're saying that he's... Neo is old for the person. So they're saying they would get these guys out probably as children. Okay? They would get them out as children. Those potentials and everything, they get them out as children so they can have the time to develop. Neo's coming out older. So, you know, he has to be... You know, has been out of the Matrix 10, 20... At least 10, maybe 20 years or something. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And he's just totally fallen out with it. He doesn't... Yeah. He may not... It's not so much he doesn't believe that the Matrix is false, okay, or that the real world is this is what is. He just doesn't want to believe in oh, this. No, I was talking world. about. Um, oh no, I know. I wasn't. Okay. I wasn't looking to contradict. I wasn't looking to contradict what you said. But that's his character. This is the guy who's like, you know what? I don't have. You know, I don't believe this. I don't want to believe this anymore. Okay, let me succumb to the drugs. Uh, let me succumb to the conspiracy theories. Let me succumb to all of these things because this other stuff, it, it's better for me to believe, it's better for me to just be in total ignorance, okay, than it is to invest in reality. And now, and, and now we have uh, Trinity, uh, after a hard day's work, bringing, 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 uh, <laughs> Neo some. Okay, um, you're going to have those uber feminists after you. Keep it up. Some, some wine and some bread. But thank you, Tim. To, 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 to nosh on. Okay. And then you have... No, no, okay. Yeah, All right. Yeah. I'll take over that one. Yeah. No, again, this is the romance <laughs> aspect of it. She loves him. She loves she him. She loves him. Okay, he just got the crap beat out of him. He's doubting. She's there to reassure him. She's there to provide him sustenance. Okay, she's there to mm -hmm. remind him that you're loved at the end of the day, which is not an evil thing for a woman to do for a guy Explicit as much as much as, as much as people may think so today. The problem is they said, hey, look, hang on, pause for the cause. The lady in the red dress. Yes. Who we never see again in any shape or form and shows as an actor. <laughs> like, what? But that was her scene. That was her scene. But again... You know, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, it's supposed to be, there's reciprocity, but the problem is too many people think that reciprocity is okay. I cook a meal for you, you cook a meal for me. Like, no, I may not want, you know, you, the per other person may not want a meal cooked or something of that nature. The reciprocity is, hey, this is what you're doing to provide me, you know, nourishment, reassurance, you know, and love. What do you want me to do for you? And that's where the balance comes in. You know, that, that it's not about parity, okay? Equity isn't parity. So, yes. It's an okay scene. I had no problem with it. And the biggest reason I had no problem with it is because, again, in those sequences, they made certain that Carrie Ann Moss was on point, okay, that he is going to, again, find knowing about her so alluring that this is going to be some more stuff that's going to keep him going on. Yeah. and, I, and Because remember, when everything else fails, when everything else fails, when his tutelage for Morpheus is, his tutelage for Morpheus is going to get him to believe, okay? But when everything else fails, what's going to bring him that last step? Love. That's the last thing that's going to bring him over the, the finish line. And it all, all those seeds are planted over there. So eat your meal. Feel better. <laughs> now, so this is a, like a key scene where they're in the construct. They see the lady. You, you break it all down. Morpheus is breaking down how the reality works. He say, look, their world is based on rules. So because of that, they're not going to be as strong as fast as you can be. And the great, like, foreshadowing, he's like, you telling me, like, that, that I can dodge bullets? He's like, bro, when you're ready... You won't have to. I mean, the, 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 the foreshadowing is so great. Going back to the scene where she's giving him some food to put it in the room, it's not so much about servitude. It's, it's, about, it's, about, it's about love. She loves this dude. She's all in. She believes he's the one. 
because she was told that the, you're going to fall in love with somebody and the person you fall in love with is the one. So as much as she... So things and she happen, believes it. And she believes it. And not that she believes it, she knows it because even though he does not make the leap, she's like, well, he didn't make the leap so maybe he's not the one, but I still like this dude. So yeah, he's the one. Yep. And um, Her feelings have never abated regardless of it. So uh, again, a lot of the... Uh, it's a lot. A lot again. A lot of the Buddhist, you know, a lot of the Buddhist teachings, a lot of the Christian teachings. If you have belief, okay, so much as a mustard seed, you can move a mountain. Okay, the person who has belief, you know, has more power than anybody that you could ever under because they believe. Okay, and that's what it means to be human. If you believe, you can do it. You can achieve it. We don't teach that anymore. <laughs> we teach that we need to see ourselves replicated. You know, I need to see myself on a screen doing it first before I can believe it. And the people who can do it without that. You know, those are the guys who get out of the matrix. Those are the guys who get out of the rat race that's already been set, the construct that we have in the real world. And they're like, no, I don't have to do this. I can do this right over here. Okay, that's anybody who's ever been able to say, you know what, no, I don't have to do it this way. I can try it this way. These rules that you've set, yes, they're still good. There's nothing wrong with them. But I see a different path where I can use all of these rules and add something to it and get something else out of it as well. In game, we get more world building. We actually seen the Nebuchadnezzar from the outside moving around. And Skullcap. Um, and then Neo is inappropriately asking questions when Sentinels are, are about. They're like, yo, bro, okay, we're in the whole service station. This is the war system. This is what the world looked like now. Um, we're deep down. The cities that humanity exists in is on the top where it's like the, the earth is scorched, so that's not rocking. Here we have the Sentinels. They're, they're, they're hunting us down. They're part of the enemies that come along with this, this world uh, of, of the Matrix. Um, you know, a little, a little bit of a filler time, but like with necessary information being sprinkled in. Yeah, and they do the right thing with it. Multiple eyes, tentacles, something that look doesn't look like us, okay, and something that we would have no chance in contending with mm -hmm. either. One of the things I liked about this scene, not so much we got to see the, what the Nebuchadnezzar looks like outside, you know, from the outside, mm -hmm. it's the reminder that these guys are being hunted because other than that, right. we would have this incredible amount of time Right. Where they're just doing whatever and nobody's trying to track them down. Nobody's trying to impede their progress. So all of this comes right over here. Then, of course, we get, right, we get the, the beautiful moment. This is Jesus and Judas right over here. Mm -hmm. He's like, yeah, what's going on? He's like, hey, dude. <laughs> I was just in the middle of betraying you. Yeah, I'm going to sell you out, man. <laughs> and he shuts down the computers that were like him talking to. Um, Which was also Peter. dropped. That's, and that was like a thread that was dropped very early on. There's an informant. Okay, we've forgotten all about that by this time, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, at the beginning, it's like, hey, is this line tapped? Are you sure this line is clean? Yeah, I'm sure it's clean. I'm sure it's clean because I'm the one who tapped it. <laughs> it can't be anything other than what I tapped it with. So, we, again, good writing. All that little stuff, and then when it pays off, oh, yeah, that's what happened in the beginning of the sequence. If you still cared at this point. This may be, you may have gone back to the film the second time, and when you went back to the second, before, when you went back to it for the second time, you realized, oh, yeah, okay, but that's good writing. Everything is used. Nothing is arbitrary. Right. Okay, something even as simple as Morpheus putting on that skull cap before, uh, the, before the Sentinels come mm -hmm. over here, and I'm asking, why is he putting on this skull cap? What is he, was that to look tough? And I guess even, you know, I was like, well, hey, you know, when I look back again, I was like, look, he's bald. Even the, the merest reflection off of his head could alert these guys. So he's got to do this. All of these things are playing into it. So good writing. Yeah, it's, it's, very, it's very well done. Um, oh, wait a minute. Hold on. We're about an hour in. So at this point, we give everybody a break. So if you need to take, a, you know, you need to take a PP break or you need to get a snack, you know, you can go take a break and you can come back. For part two of what we're working on for The Matrix. Ha ha, sucker. You don't get a break, okay? You didn't get a break in the theater either, all right? You got some problem? You got some problem? No. 
We're rolling on. We do the whole commentary, okay? This is for you guys who are driving to Albany. This is for you guys who are driving to Philadelphia. This is for you people who have plane fights and you downloaded the i... What is it called again? iTunes? No, not the iTunes. The thing again. Um, the, down, the download? Yeah, I, I can't remember. I'm sorry. <laughs> but this is for those people who downloaded that, okay, and you're listening. We're going to rock. We're rocking through the whole thing. We're rocking, baby. Okay, so we don't do any PP breaks over here. No PP breaks. We Let's keep going. We don't even say PP breaks anymore. And, and this, is the great, this is the great part. His whole job is to undermine this whole Lucifer Cypher's job. Um, even the name Cypher, just short for Lucifer, his, his, his job is to undermine. It's like, look, so you're here. <laughs> In case you, in case Neil had forgotten for a little bit. Oh, so you're here to save the world? Like, what are you supposed to do with that? <laughs> How do you feel about that, bro? It's like you're here to save the world. Not if I have anything to say about it, because I want a nice, juicy, fake steak. He's like, if you see an agent, you do what we do. Run, bro. You're not beating an agent. Are you crazy? He's gassing you up for the for, for the sacrifice. Yeah. Hey, you're definitely not going to beat this agent. You're definitely not going to beat the agents the way I'm setting you people up. Yeah. And and again, the script and the pacing is very tight because um, we're moving we're moving right along. We're giving you just enough time to give him the training, give you a basic understanding that he understands the world he lives in before he gets um, kicked up to actually entering into the Matrix again on a new standing. Like he's coming back into the Matrix on on a, on a new footing. Um, he's reborn. So he's not the same person he is going back into it as he was in it. Um, we get more insights into the deal that Cypher makes with Agent Smith. He's like, look, you're going to give me Morpheus? He's like, no, I'm going to give you um, the codes. Um, that, I'm going to give you Morpheus who knows the codes to get into Zion, which is where humanity lives at this point. And he's like, look, so the deal is if I do that, you put my body back. And then this time around, make me something else. So he wants the, the illusion. There's two, there's, two, there's two choices to freedom or to, or, or to becoming your highest personal self. Um... The, the high road, which is the way of Morpheus, is being who you actually are and seeing reality for it actually is so then you can make conscious decisions. He's asking, like, no, put me back in and then make me, I want to be something famous and, like, of the value systems of the time, like an actor. So now we cut back. Yeah, and these guys, you know, he just sat in that nice opulent restaurant, that juicy steak, and these guys are eating this slop. And it's all, it's all <laughs> an illusion. And meanwhile, he's laughing Agent Smith is laughing at him. He's like, yeah, you want that? He could basically ask for a billion dollars. It doesn't matter because it doesn't exist. So now, so now again, going, going back to Cal's point, a mouse is going to lay down really like, you know, one of the big themes. Like, look, the human impulse is, is what makes us, is you cannot deny your impulses because that's what makes you human. And that's what makes us not the machines. Um, and and he's, going, he's really going into it. So now he's really, not, not a conceptually, this movie's really messing with us because it's like, Well, mind you, human impulse doesn't mean you get to do whatever jacked up thing you comes into course, your mind. Of course, of course. Of that's, course. that's where people seem to mess up with it. Well, I'm, I'm a human, I'm going to just do these impulses. No, right, right. because some impulses are self-destructive. You still need to think. Right, right. Okay, you can still have those impulses, but we're also supposed to be able to master them. Right. Okay, there, some, some of them, we, there's very little we can do about, but the majority of them, yeah, you don't need to do that. You don't need to go light a building because you want to see a fire. Right. You can draw a picture. Um, so, ne- so, so now he's, he's like, look, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a digital, uh, connoisseur of, of, uh, uh, online connection. So, so, so to speak and spin a rack speak. Um, he's like to deny your impulses is to deny the very thing that makes us human. It's a little distorted, but it's part of the truth that, um, that makes his, um, liberation possible. He's like, look, we're going in, we're taking her to see her. 
And you're like, who? What? He's being taken to see the Oracle. So and pretty- mind you, Neo does not want to see the woman in red. Okay? Right. Even though she was alluring enough to get him to turn his head, he does not want to see the woman in red because he's in love with Trinity. Right. And again, that, that's a symbol of like the challenges and the temptations that come along now that he's broken you know, the threshold. So he's being tempted. Look, you want to go chase the lady in the red? Like, no, I have a mission. Now, I'm not chasing, chasing no lady in the red. And now finally, finally, I know you people were waiting for it, the Superman reference, right? The phone booth. Everybody gets it. When Superman is Clark Kent, okay, he's a regular person. He goes into the phone booth. He comes out. He's Superman. He's fully realized exactly as he, as he is. It's the same thing with the Matrix, which is quite, it's quite a dichotomy because they're fully realized as the people who they see themselves are in their minds when they go into the matrix they go through the phone booth everybody comes out superman mm-hmm. okay it's not like they go into the matrix and they come out okay we're just dressed as regular people they're all decked to the nines they can do these incredible things they have all these super abilities but that's that part of their humanity that's fully realized mm-hmm. because they are not they are not confined by the matrix right. so everybody else is going to be more downplayed and so on and so forth no these guys are going to come out flash set, you know, jet set, everything of that nature. But that's the Superman effect right over here. They're tearing off that other thing and they reveal the S, but only in this place where it isn't real because they're the only people who are truly human right over here. And that was make them Superman. And, and that's the key thing. The, everybody, the people who are freed um, from illusion are the people who are essentially their true selves, their real self. And no one is more freed from illusion than Superman. And now it's great. He's looking. He's looking at the Matrix through a glass, which is kind of symbolic of like a TV. He's he's viewing it from his real conscious self. He's not. He's not caught up in his psyche. Sort of like X-ray vision. Right. He's not caught up in his psyche or his emotions. He's identifying with his real self. So he's looking outside. He's realizing that it is a, a, illusory. It, it, it is an illusion. It's not. It's not true. Um, and who can tell you what's true? You know, basically yourself. Um, He's now getting, we're getting a little bit more snippets into, uh, into Trinity, because she stops telling him about it, because he's like, well, well, what did the Oracle tell you? He's like, oh, I'm going to shut up right now, because I can't tell you anything. Now, this is a great scene. They walk into the lobby, and you see what would typically be the Oracle, a blind man with a cane and a beard, wisdom, right? That's not the Oracle. He's not the Oracle. You go, you go in, you go into the elevator, they're on their way to see um, the Oracle. Bye-bye, Tiresias. <laughs> and I don't know who Kim is, but it's a nice shout-out to Kim. KYM, you know, next to Neo's head, um, somebody got shouted out. And he's again breaking down the Oracle. She's very old. She's been with us since the beginning, the beginning of the resistance. So there's a resistance. They're part of the resistance. And their mission is to break down, destroy the Matrix so, so humanity can be free, which doesn't happen at the end of the series. The Matrix seems to go on, right? Because the Matrix never is never. The less said about the Matrix revelations, <laughs> the better. Oh, okay, again, we had. This is a self-contained film. This is a self-contained film, but it made money. So they had to do it again? No, they didn't have to do it again. <laughs> they didn't have to do it again. Look, I, I get it, okay? The Wachowski brothers, it, look, it's like us at Spinarak, okay? We're, you know, we, we get together, we want to do something, and next thing you know, something hits, and it makes all of this money. So now people are all coming over to us like, hey, man, that hit. We need you to do more of that. Now we have one or two options. We can say, well, look, we don't want to do that. We want to do something else. And we can talk about integrity and artistic freedom, whatever, whatever, whatever. But then the other part is, well, look, if we want to be able to do those sorts of things, we're going to need to do this so we have the money, so we get the clout, so we get everything that we need in order to be able to do that sort of thing. And that's where the Wachowskis were in this particular position. 
these guys are coming over and they hit big with the Matrix. Mm. So now they have other ideas they may want to do, but they don't have the money for it. They, don't, they can't do it on their own. So in order to do those things, they're like, look, give us some more Matrix. We'll give you this. We're going to let you do this. Your names are going to be blown up in light. They spent five years on the script for this film. The second two films was like, what, a year? Yeah. A piece? Yeah. You know, you, you, you're not going to get the same quality. And Revelations was just... Revelations felt like those guys got to the end of the race and were like, huh, 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 okay, it's done. Okay, it, it did, it's really discordant from a lot of the other things that go on. I mean, there's other stuff that happens later. There were comics and so mm -hmm. on that try to piece everything together. But unless there's another film that comes out, it, it just stands off as like, we don't really know what happened. I take the first two movies, okay, this one, and then I can let Reloaded follow. But Revelations is so... There's a good chance we won't even do Revelations at all because that's how I feel about it. Morpheus isn't really in character. We don't really see... The, the ending is kind of like, what? You know, it it's just out there. It doesn't really make a lot of sense at the end of the day. That was the biggest cash grab this one right over here is a great artistic work. The second one I thought did its best to try to stay in that vein. And the third one is like, look, this one's for the money. That's yeah. all that we can do at this point. Yeah. Then so, we got Spoon Boy over here. I love Spoon Boy. Um, so he, they, get to, they get to um, Oracle's apartment. They, for, they, they obscure the vision of the door number. Now, my guess is, which I, we could probably at some point look back at the, at the elevator scene and see what Bunny pressed. But I would assume the, the movie starts out at 101. It ends on 303. In terms of where he's at with his, 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 um, his consciousness elevating, I would assume that the door number is 202. And now we see the Oracle... 202? Then why did they just take the stairs? <laughs> right? So, so now we see the Oracle. She's not what you're thinking. He, no, he, that's he grandma. Asked, right. He asks he ask if she's going to tell me the truth. He's not there to tell you the truth. Morpheus kind of warns him. She's going she's to tell you stuff that's going to guide you. She's going to tell you, basically, she's going to tell you exactly what you need to hear to get you going in the direction you need to go into. Yeah, but is she being genuine? That was his question. Okay, and then it becomes, again, this philosophical, this philosophical thing. Hey, would you have broken that if I didn't tell you? She knows he's a doubting slacker. Mm -hmm. She knows it. And she knows, look, there's nothing I can do to get you over that hump. She tells him, either you believe it or you don't believe it. It doesn't matter meeting me or anything of that nature. Even though she knows he's the one, it, it, it's uh, the cosmic balance, and it's broken into three things. Fate, chance, and free will. Okay? She's able to see the fates without any problem. Okay? And then, of course, there are these chance things that will happen. Just by chance, you know, this guy's going to be a betrayer. This sort of thing right over here. But, okay, it's his free will at the end of the day that's going to determine whether or not he's going to complete all of these things. Okay. So she can't make the decisions for him. It's like, look, yeah, you could be the best dude on the planet. But if you decide to sit in your room and continuously doubt yourself, which is still part of your human nature, which is still one of your impulses, you're led towards doubt. That's one of the things that's getting you out of the matrix. But it's also one of the things that's stymieing your full potential. Okay? Like the Latin says right there, know yourself. The second that he allows himself to fully know himself, he'll be fine. So this meeting, to be quite honest, is perfunctory for her. Right. You know, it's like, okay, yeah, we're going to meet and this, that. It's like, look, I know you're the one. Anytime you want to do it, baby. And he's like, well, how do I do it? Show me how I do it. Believe in yourself. That's it? It can't be that simple. <laughs> right, right, right. It can't be that simple. No, there's got to be some other stuff. More training. More training. <laughs> and, and what's great is that she, that she does, like, in this, in this movie has a long list of this was, great. This is great. She's like, let me open up your mouth. Let me do this. And he's believing it. He's like, <laughs> right, right, right. Let me shake your hands. A, 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 great, a great foreshadowing. So we have the foreshadowing of the boss who tells them, 
you think that the rules don't apply to you. You have the foreshadowing of, of Morpheus. That it's a literal foreshadowing of a scene in the end. You said like the, the rules don't apply to you, right? And the bullets and the bullets. Um, you you won't need you won't need to dodge bullets. Trust me. You really get what I'm trying to tell you. You won't need to dodge bullets. Well, for, for those of us who there's a great film. It's a cult classic. You may have seen it. It's called The Last Dragon. Okay. The more the Matrix, whether it realizes it or not, lifted a lot of what's going on here from The Last Dragon. Either just symbiosis. Right. Okay. You know or. Uh, you know, somehow to some type of temporal mind reading. Right. Okay, but it's the same thing. You have this character who's looking for the master. Okay, and they're telling him there. You know, there's only one master. You look everywhere except one place. His master tells him, you know, you're ready. You know, you're the master already. Right. He's like, get, no, get there has to be another level. There has to be more training. There has to. He's like, no. There's only one place that you haven't looked, and that's where you're gonna find the master. And he's like, well, where can this? Oh, I never looked inside. I never looked in myself. And the second he does that, he's able to catch bullets with his teeth. No, and exactly. And she gives him the great foreshadowing because he's like, look. He's like, I'm not the one. He's like, okay, you know. Okay. And, she, and she's only like mirroring back what he's saying. So I'm not the one? No, apparently not. <laughs> right? He's like, so, you know, you have to get. She's telling him again. You have to get. But it seems like you're waiting for something. He's like, what? Your next life, maybe. Who knows? <laughs> which, is, which is like this great foreshadowing. She sounds like a guidance counselor. She's like, who's, I've seen these guys so many times. Like, look, I already know. If I try to give you the impassioned... Morpheus already gave you the impassioned, hopeful speech. Right, 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 right. And you're not believing that. Right. So, you know, it's going to boil down to you. But she does a really good job. This is your grandmother. Yeah, but again, she tells him your next life, which is the foreshadowing of his death. And it isn't until he dies that he's truly reborn for the final time. So she says, you wait for your next life, and he literally, after his next life, he becomes the one. Yep. And he loses life in the Matrix, which is him relinquishing... I forget the name of the actress. All of his doubts. I, I mean, because she's smoking here, and I'm trying to remember if she died of a heart... I think she died of a heart attack, not uh. cancer. Okay, so we only got to see... And again, there was another thing with Revelations, why it didn't work, to a certain extent. Because she... I mean, she did such a great job here. And then when we see her again in the next film... And I believe she wasn't feeling well, but she was still able to come in and do the sequences mm. there. You know, so she was, they were still able to do that. And then in the third film was a totally different actress who didn't even look like her. Yeah. And then they tried to play it off. Oh, well, I was, you know, I had to take a new form and be reborn. It's like, you're not her. Okay, you don't look like her. Well, I'm glad they did that. At least acknowledge it in that meta, in that meta way. Nah, I would, I would have been happier if they, got, if they at least tried to get someone who looked like her. It's not her. I mean, you know what I mean? I love that actress as well. And I'm sad she, 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 she Or passed. just don't bring her in at all. Because other than that, it's like, look, it's bad enough it's not her. Right. It, you know, they would do that on like soap operas. They would do that on other shows where, okay, the lead actor or actress decides they're going to leave. Mm-hmm. Oh, the woman in red. <laughs> That's where he got the image. <laughs> So see, she made another appearance. So, she made two appearances in the so film. So Mouse is distracted, which is you know part of the reason why he dies. Um, other than that, his character was just ancillary. Well, he dies because he's betrayed, like with everybody else. Yeah. So now they're back. He's he's got his he's got his message from his from another one of his major helpers in his in his in his journey. Um, Morpheus looked at the camera for a second. That's cool though. He was looking sharp. Um, smile in your face. Mm, smile, smile in your face. All the time trying to trick your place. The backstabber. The backstabber. Oh, we didn't know you could sing. Yeah, a little, a little, a little, a little bit. That was joking. Oh, well, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> deja vu, baby. The cat. And it's the first time I've ever seen them try to visually show deja vu. It's not what it looks like to me. I don't see two things happening at once, but I just feel like this has happened before. Um, 
And, it, and, it, and everybody is like, like, what? <laughs> There's no such thing as deja vu over here. And that's, and that's the crazy thing because, again, um, the martial arts was great. The technology, the leap in technology was great. But something that, that, go, that gets glossed over was the actual concept of the Matrix and the philosophy of it that was, to me, beyond the, the martial arts and the technology, was the most mind-blowing. So now they're using this as a premise to, to explain things in the, real, in the real world. So like, oh yeah, deja vu is when they move something in the Matrix. And you're just like, what the fuck? Because it actually explains the phenomenon that we, the audience, really experience in real life. Yeah, but there's a, well, there's a deeper reason for that. I won't get into, I won't get into it. it be, it's not something that we can solve right over here. Suffice to say, however, that it speaks to certain people because, again, they doubt. Right. Okay, they doubt. They, uh, I was explaining, a lot of people would believe that human beings have instincts, which isn't possible. We don't have instincts. If you believe in evolution and at the same time you believe that humans have instincts, you can't have it both ways. We evolved past instincts a long time ago because we have more intellect than any other creature on the planet. So we don't need those instincts. Those instincts, rather. We learn from example. We are taught everything. Everything that we see. Okay? And one of the examples I would give is like, okay, if you turned your back in a room and you couldn't see everyone else behind you and everyone else was dropping dead, there's nothing instinctual inside you that would say, hey, I need to turn around. People are dropping dead. No, you'd be dead too and you would have no idea about it. Now, if you're looking at the people dropping dead, you would probably look at them and say, okay, something is going on and you might do something. It's only until you've seen that and see, okay, let me run or let me help or let me do this that we actually get somewhere with it. So you, you can't have it both ways in terms of that. We are creatures that are, we, we are creatures of instruction. You know, we have to be shown, we're taught, you know, we're, and that's where we get everything from, being taught, the socialization, all of that sort of thing. And then you have these people want to instinctually feel, well, no, you know, this can't be real. Like, no, 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 it's real. We made it. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. totally real. Okay. You just don't want it because, again, you don't feel that you have any place in it. You don't fit. But that's because you don't want to accept what's real and what's not. We want to have something that's fictional as opposed to something that's real. The second that we can accept what's real, hey, we're the most powerful people on the planet. And a lot of the stuff that bugs us doesn't bug us anymore because we can accept it. Right, because then things are just a matter of events and not our reaction to, to those events. Right. And we get to control. I mean, look, there, there's certain things where we're just going to give in. You know, we're going to give in. Uh, I mean, like, if you see your dad in the hospital or something of that nature, you know, I would think it's incredibly inhuman if you don't have any emotion in that sequence right there. You, you know, we're supposed to be able to, you know, release we're supposed to be able, and we're supposed to be connected to that person too. And that connection shouldn't allow us to be, you know, totally robotic and stiff about it. Where I'm going to control this. It's acceptable. It's fine. It's it's human to do those sorts of things. But it shouldn't be. I'm holding a grudge for 20 years because you owe me a quarter, which people can, which people can easily do at the same point. Yep. Yep. Go ahead. And that was a good scene because we never realized. Did he sneeze because the dirt? You know, was in his face, or did he sneeze because he was trying to give him up? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're gonna give it up, Cypher. Come on, come on, just do it. That what you must do. Do it quickly. He did it. Man, these guys have really poor aim. So, we're about to get into the Morpheus versus Agent Smith fight. Which is, in most movies traditionally, this is the big fight, okay? Because it's the two best fighters against each other. This is what we want to see. However, Neo is the one 
Okay, Neo is the one. That's the guy that they're after. That's the, where the fate, everything rests upon it. And what does Morpheus do? No, okay? And again, this is the strong masculine influence. This is my son. I'm not letting you have him. I'm going to put myself on the line, get him out of here. I'm going to throw it all up. Any father on the planet understands this. I would rather be dead, okay? As long as I know that he gets away and that he's safe, no problem. So we have that portion right there. But in addition to this, we get an explanation, a really quick explanation of why they run when they see these agents, okay? These guys are incredibly tough, okay? They don't feel pain. It doesn't matter how big, you know, how fast these, uh, we are, or rather how uh, the, the people who have been released are, Neo, Trinity, those guys, because these guys are on a totally different level. They, we can't affect them. We don't have the power to affect them. We don't know how to affect them. So the whole fight scene goes down, and it's over before it starts. Because, and the bigger thing is that not only is he fighting a superior force, he's, it, and this is what, uh, I remember there was an old comic with Spider-Man and he's fighting against this villain. And the villain is 20 times stronger than him. Okay, she can lift like 80 tons and Spider-Man can only lift 10. But he's beating her all over the place. And she's like, no, it's not fair. He's like, yeah, it'd be fair if we were fighting in a broom closet, right? Then it would be fair. And that's what he's doing effectively. He doesn't have room to maneuver. He can't run. He can't use the environment to try to get away. The environment's actually against him. Okay, and he's fighting a superior force. And he's doing the best that he can. Okay, he's doing some nice moves. But again, what can he do? Right. And he's going to also set up the fact that you don't want to, that you don't want to mess with an agent. Right. So we see, and we see what it was the Trinity was running from. And this is the top guy. Right. Okay, this is the top guy. And at no point does, does Morpheus... The guy look, who believes the most. Right. Morpheus doesn't stop fighting. Okay, he's still trying at this point, but it's, it's a superior force. Okay, he's all dusted up, but that has nothing to do with the fight. It has nothing to do with the fight. He'll fix himself, and he's like, great, it's over. Right? Now, in the second, when we get to the Matrix Reloaded, M Morpheus, again, fights an agent, and these are upgrades. And people are like, oh, man, he's fighting an upgrade. It's not supposed to be this. You know, it's not. No, it was different. Okay, we'll, we'll get, we'll, uh, one of the things, one of the biggest differences is that Morpheus in that second fight has room to freaking maneuver. It's not like he does any damage or really punches him and draws blood. It's pretty much the same fight over here, but he has more options. Mm -hmm. Okay, he has things that the agent has to contend with as well as him. He can keep this guy off balance a little bit. But so Morpheus, Morpheus' power comes from belief. Like for me, I just took it like his belief has been super validated by the fact that he found the one. He is the one. He's flying. He's like that means I can do even more. So his he's just emboldened by. It. He's like yeah, we're going to win. <laughs> we're going to that's fight. Why, you think that's why he took this fight, or you mean in the second film? I'm talking about the second fight. Oh no, I, I thought they. Well, I mean that's that's. I don't know if we should save it for that film if we ever get if, when we get around to it. But you know the whole thing I just saw there was a totally different fight. It's like me fighting. I mean, look, if I fight some dude who's twice my size and like 40 pounds heavier and I have no room to maneuver, I'm going to lose. You know, I'm going to lose. Eventually, he's going to get his hands on me and that's it. You know, that's just physical strength. That's like a boxing ring. You run out of room. You know, you have to have enough room to maneuver to try to outlast this dude if he's a superior fighter in certain instincts. In, in um, certain, not instincts, but in certain instances. If you don't have it, then, you know, you're, 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 you're downed. So, <laughs> go on. Here we go. We saw what the we saw the other uh, thirty pieces of silver was a nice steak, <laughs> mm. and the betrayal comes in. Oh, but don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. Tank is tough. He's a real tank. Dozer. The funny thing is, Dozer was bigger, stronger, was naughty, but I guess maybe he gave him more concentrated blast. But again, this all goes back to the whole setup. Neo is the one. Okay, Neo is the one. 
All of this stuff over here doesn't matter because he's fated to do this. Why? Because the second he believes in himself, everything is going to happen. He's going to be given every opportunity, every instance, every accommodation, every excuse, every moment. So he can finally get to that point of belief. And then we understand what this is really about. Why is it that Cypher is such a bitch? Because he's wanted her and she's been looking at this other dude the whole time. There's no love for him. Oh, you didn't, you think, you're saying that's why he betrayed them? Of course. Wow. This dude is coming over here. He's like, hey, Trinity, I used to watch you and I used to do this. But you never saw me, Trinity. I'm in the real world over here fighting with right you. No, you saw this guy over here. He wasn't even there yet. Right, right. Okay, you're all into this guy. And what? He, you think this is real? Okay, you want to be with him? Go ahead and be with him. But you're all going to be dead anyway. Okay? And I'm still going to be alive, living it out. And trust me, one of the things he would have probably wanted if he was put back into the Matrix, okay, would have been her. I want to, rec you know, you know, do that, and he would have been fine with it. He's like that guy who can go home and, you know, make love to a blow-up doll or something of that nature. That's how bad it is. Okay, so again, Trinity does not understand. Trinity does not understand what was going on with Cipher. Okay, the same thing that Neo doesn't understand what's going on with her. We do not see the person who's fully invested in us because we're not looking. Mm -hmm. That person might as well be around the corner. We just don't see it. And then this sequence over here was hilarious. He's like, "Well, pops." <laughs> He's like, he's the bastard son. He's like, well, pops, <laughs> what are you going to do now, huh? I heard all your pompous BS and this, that, and the other. Well, look, okay, mm. I'm not with any of this. And, and, and then also, like, you have a cypher with the headset, which kind of looks like horns, you know, which really makes, with, with his uh, maroon uh uh, shirt. Like, I mean the whole satanic aspect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so he really looks like That's, like 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 Lucifer, right? Yeah, that was right? yeah, sort of like what they did with uh, what was it Anne Hathaway in uh, The Dark Knight Rises, where she couldn't be Catwoman, but they had the uh, the, the stuff on her head so it looked mm -hmm. like cat ears, right. but she she couldn't be called Catwoman. Yeah, and they notice where the hole is, right? Over the heart, right? Yeah, you know, heartless. Yeah, heartless bastard at the end of the day. But why? Because there was no love for him. The one that he wanted doesn't know he's alive. Mm, 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 mm. Okay, that's the way it boils down at the end of the day. And they get taken him out. And then isn't it? Isn't it? Uh, I heard a, a rumor that uh, that that uh, that Keanu Reeves played both roles. He played Switch and uh, and uh, and Neo. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Not like this. No, no, the, not like this. The technology, the technology <laughs> wasn't there for that sort of thing. No, I remember the, I remember how you that, that, you, could, that could look like him. That could really look like him. That I remember how you laced him. I remember how you laced into it. You're like, yeah, just get rid of her. You weren't any <laughs> He's like, this is great. I love that. These are characters put here just to die. APOC. Did APOC yeah. even have a line? <laughs> he was a yeah. dead, dead. Mouse had more <laughs> Mouse had more lines than APOC. And you and these guys have some pretty cool names too. Like, okay, APOC. Okay, yeah. great. What you gonna do? Die. Switch. What are you gonna do? I'm gonna be switched off. You know, yeah. Mouse, what are you gonna do? I'm gonna be meek and die. Well, at least, you know, he had something over here. Now, it boils down to, okay, whose turn is it? And mind you, he's like, there's going to have to be some sort of miracle, right? Okay, other than that, you're going to be dead. All right, he's talking all this stuff. Right. You know, talking everything at this point, And then what's going to happen? A miracle. And the miracle, is, it doesn't happen inside the Matrix due to Neo's power. The miracle happens in the real world. Just, you know. <laughs> we don't know that. I mean, I mean it, it, the real world being where Cypher... No, no, remember, we say like it doesn't happen because of Neo's power. It does. Why? Because Tank believes. He believes uh, he's the one. Okay. okay, so all of that belief, like, no, i got to get up. This is our chance. This is our chance to free humanity because we found the one. Right. Okay, so all of that plays into it. If you 
believe. Mm. That even goes with the story, too. If you want to go, you know, conspiracy theory or doubting Thomas route, that's something else. But this guy believes that they found the one. When he sees Neo and he sees everything that he's doing, he's like, yeah, I'm excited and this. And then he gets hit. Okay, remember, Dozer never had that interaction with Neo. Okay, Dozer never gets that interaction with them, but Tank does. And who's not to say, who's to say that that's not the extra push that he gets to get up after being blasted, okay, and there be able to come over here and push through the whole thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all about belief at the end of the day. Again, you know, there's a distinct, there's a distinct Buddhist and a distinct uh, Christian discipline inside of this that they borrow. That they borrow from those teachings, you know, about the power of belief. All right? It all starts and it ends with that whole thing. Cypher doesn't believe, so he's going to die now. He's going to go back into the cycle. Okay, he's going to go back, be recycled, or you know, what have you, wherever he may be. That's going to be the end of it for him. But for everybody who believes, no, there's a new life. Okay? Right, so that's, oh, so that's the last time you see that character, right? <laughs> yeah, done. Hey, oh, wow, so he gets put back in the... Um... No, he doesn't. Well, he, I, don't, I don't know what... We don't know what happens to his body or anything of that nature. But for him, the cycle's over. Okay, because there's just no belief for him whatsoever. So there's no new life for him, no second chance. But for everybody else who survives, you know, they believe there's something else. And now we kind of have the breakdown of like, you know, Morpheus at this point is captured. He's in, he's in cuffs. He's in chains, which for me is kind of symbolic of like, you know, his mind being um, in chains, enslaved. <laughs> which um, it is. Which it is. Um, and the Agent Smith... Now we, we get more into the world building that Agent Smith is something different from the other agents and it makes him a little bit more of a, a, an interesting villain because we're now given intense backstory as to why he intensely hates these guys and why he wants to complete his mission of just destroying Zion because once he can destroy Zion, he can get the frick out of the Matrix. Matrix. He doesn't have to be in the Matrix any longer. He's free. Right. Okay. His freedom only comes when these guys are gone. Right. Okay. But these guys are like it's like you guys are like you know gamma irritated roaches. You won't die. Right. You know I can't find you and you won't die. And he and he's he's tired of the the being in that fake world. The smells, the impulses, the everything is driving is driving him insane. It's driving to, it's driving him to the point that he wants to run his hands through Morpheus' bald head and smell his sweat and put it up to his nose. And, and not be disgusted by it, and actually talk about how gross it is. It's like it's like somebody farts, and you go to the, and you go near a person and smell the fart. And like, oh my god, this just fart is disgusting. No, 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 wait, you, wait, no, no, why no. Would you do this that? is a clean show. We don't talk fart? about that stuff. About farts? No, we don't talk. We don't do gross out humor here. We don't do it. Oh my okay, that's why you're a guest. Oh my goodness. If you want to be, if you want to be brought back, you got to keep it clean. Mm-hmm. Okay, we apologize for. Actually, I'm not apologizing for anything. Okay, because I didn't do anything wrong. That was all, Professor C A. Professor, Professor BX. Professor, Professor BX. So now, well, you should be able to take this. This is more along the hero's journey. Okay, so, um, oh, so now they're at the point where they're about to sacrifice. Um, we've shown, we've shown the, the dead bodies of the other crew members, um, and, and, we're about to, and we're about to see the big decision. And they're realizing that Morpheus has the codes, so they have to kill Morpheus by just unplugging him so to protect um, Zion. Um, and he's like, look, this is what Morpheus wants to do, and this is where Neo steps up. He doesn't necessarily believe he's the one yet, but his belief is growing because of what the Oracle told him. She said, look, it's going to come down to you or him, and who lives and who dies is going to be up to you. He, so he's seeing it play out, 
And that gives him the encouragement that, okay, look, this is what happened. This is what I was told. I may not be the one, but I believe that I can do something. What do you believe? I believe I can get him out. Not necessarily become the one, but just because I believe it. I believe that's what I'm doing. No, here because for. I'm the one, but I don't want to believe it all. I'll just believe enough so I can get him out because I'm still slacking. Right. I'm still slacking. <laughs> if you believe you can get him out, you're the one. Right. Good grief, man. It's like, you know, like, like some serious baby steps. This dude is going to die. No, I'm not the one, but I can get him out. What's the difference? What's the difference, Neo? Come on, man. Come on. Okay, but again, it works because it, it works for people who are not like myself, okay? It works for people who need that incremental, that, you know, steady, you know, steady, like there, come over there, come over there, and then finally they get there. It's it's a uh, it, for me it's a little it was I can't say it was incredibly frustrating in the film over watching it more than once it's kind of like you know dude come on you've been the one from the start you know why that's why you got selected that's why you're able to do all this stuff that's why this guy's risking his life for you that's why you have these beliefs the oracle's over here fiddling around with you she gave everyone else what they needed because they needed it you don't need anything that's why she's like just giving you that's why she's just giving you back whatever you say to her so the belief aspect. Oh, man, the belief aspect is just really, really important, Neo. Mm -hmm. And he's about, what, about like 1% there, right. 2%, okay? But he, so, you know, hey, we'll see. We all know he's going to go back in. He'll get the whole thing, he'll get the whole thing done. And then, of course, he's going to doubt some more. What I did like about the scene was that they didn't kill Morpheus, okay? And they were getting ready to pull the plug on him on both sides. The agents don't kill him. Because that's good writing. The agents are like, well, look, you know, our plan went awry, so they're going to probably pull the plug on him, unless they're dead. If they're dead, then we can probably get the codes out of him. So we're going to proceed. So that allows Morpheus to stay alive long enough for these guys to execute a plan. Mm -hmm. On the other side, you know, the same thing. We've got to kill him. No, 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 no. We're going to go in, and we're going to be able to get him out. Okay? And the two best people who, why? The two best people, because this is the completion of the Trinity. Okay, the completion of the Trinity. So again, good writing, good balance to the whole thing at the end of the day. But that's what happens, I guess, when you have all that time to work on a script. When you, I don't know what they need to do. Maybe they need to say, okay, we're going to do movies, and this is going to be five years from now, and we're going to really be able to work on these stories, and it's going to be okay. They say they're like about, what, seven different plot lines at yeah. the end of the day? So it shouldn't be that hard to come up with the story. It's just the it execution. Have, it shouldn't have to take five years, but it's the idea that they had... Um, uh, an amount of uninterrupted time. So maybe they parceled it out in a very comfortable fashion over the course of those five years, um, but they definitely did not have enough time to really give this, the, the following scripts that were shot back-to-back -back, um, the same kind of... And on top of that, they were like following up with the, the Animatrix and the video game development, which they wanted to play a part in all those worlds to make sure that there was a continuity of intent and, and and world world vision and money and, and 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 get that and get that money right yeah that's where a big part well, again that's where a big part of it was just lost the money <laughs> that's where a big part of it was just lost don't worry Morpheus don't worry you're gonna get out everybody's you know everybody's over there they're coming for you they're gonna be able to break you out. And the biggest reason they're going to be able to break you out is because of what you've done as a strong masculine influence. Okay, we're not going to come over here. No, I'm not going to leave this dude behind because he wouldn't have done this. For, he wouldn't have done this to, to me. Rather, he would do the same thing for me. He's going to come in. He's going to try to get me out. He put everything down on the line. 
Okay, he stepped up. And now, as I said earlier, as human beings, we do what? We do what we're taught. We do what we're shown. He stepped up for me. Now I'm going to come over here and step up for him. Now everybody is going to find something. The same way that Morpheus dug deep, okay, and said, I'm going to come over here and, and go and fight an agent, which they never do. Okay, which they never do. Now we're going to actually do something that's totally hasn't done before. We're going to come over here and try to break in and break somebody back out in this particular manner. So don't worry, Morpheus. Your example, okay, your example is going to be followed and it's going to come, and it's going to come back and you're going to be rewarded for it. Unfortunately, it's going to fall apart by revelations, but hey, yeah. or, really by the end of re or really by the end of Reloaded. Hmm. And, uh, and so, na so now, you look, the, the camera's tight on Morpheus, and he's like, oh man, Tank's like, hold on Morpheus, they're coming for you. And we have this great scene where like, they're coming to rescue him, and it's, for me, it was a little bit of a throwback to a Terminator scene where um, the Terminator goes into the police station and it's kind of like, dun, 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 as he's walking to the police station because he is going into the heart of the highest form of authority. There's nothing else. Like, who, what is going to stop you once you're going into the actual stronghold or the, or the threshold? So this is actually like, I guess, and this is just me riffing right now, but like, they're going into, into the belly of the whale, into the belly of the beast, rather. Um, they're, they're going into the stronghold with the, with the most resistance, the most terror, the most fear lies. They're going right into it. And they're and they're attacking it head on. They're going straight forward toward uh, their goal, which is to re re rescue Morpheus. They're not going in, sneaking in. They're not trying subterfuge. Neo says, "What do you what do you what do we need? We need guns, lots of guns, because we're straight going to go in there and shoot our way out, straight up, and get him and get out. He's going to complete his first mission." Mm -hmm. And the acting on Lawrence Fishburne's part right over here is great. The eyes rolled back. Mm -hmm. Okay, he's he's being broken down. Okay, but he's still fighting. Okay, he is still fighting against this force that cannot be fought. He's still fighting. And again, two good actors: Hugo Weaving, Lawrence Fishburne. Great scene. The irresistible force. Mm -hmm. Okay, and the immovable object. One of these things has to give out. What's mm -hmm. going to give out first? We're never going to find out. Okay, because into the play comes finally, finally. Okay, he's starting. Well, I'm not gonna steal. I'm not gonna steal his line, okay? But he's doubting less. <laughs> he's doubting less. And this was just, this he's was more a, action oriented. He's taking he's taking, he's taking like initiative. He's taking initiative for the first time. He's being a man. <laughs> he's being a man. And he's, Finally. And, he, and he's and he's using the guns. And he's being direct. He's not being passive. That's right. Embrace your toxic masculinity and do something. By that, I don't mean anybody listening to this go out and shoot someone either, okay? But take some damn action. Stop sitting on your butt thinking about stuff and do something. You don't like it? Change it, okay? And in a positive fashion. Yep, won't need that because I got a bag full of them. I got a oh, bag man. full of them. Man, these guys are just loaded. And now you should be seeing feet upon feet upon feet upon feet of uh, army soldiers, mercenaries, guards with... All kinds of guns, M16s, multiple shotties, and they're just going. Now it's just a, sh a shooting fest. In the shoot it's a shooting gallery. And Neo is not scared. He is in there. And posing. And posing. Trinity is being awesome. I think this is when she runs against the wall. I think that's the scene where she broke her ankle. I don't remember. I don't know. She literally broke, like, broke her ankle. She broke her ankle? Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. I, I, I shoot filming for a little while. 
I think there's a scene where they actually um in the in some of the background stuff where they actually show it. She just goes. Yeah, I remember seeing. I remember seeing some some clip, some YouTube clip mm -hmm. on that where you see her twisting and she falls and she's like, you know, screaming like, "Oh no!" Mm -hmm, because she yeah. broke she broke her ankle. Yeah, and I think she's screaming, "Oh no!" More so because of the filming. Right. She's like, "Oh no! Oh no!" Yeah, because I mean, look how much time they invested into this, and you know, it's still your body. Right. You know, and right. as much training as you've had, you know, the wear and tear on the body. You know, something eventually, you know, it breaks down. You can only push the body so much as strong as you make it. So, you know, I can get that. But a, a testament to how hard they worked, okay, how hard they worked. So they come over, and every sequence, all of this that you see is them, okay? You see this? That's Keanu. You see somebody running on the wall, looks like Trinity? That's Carrie Ann Moss. That's her. If you want, right here, that's him, <laughs> Okay, that's him. That's not a stunt dude. That's him. And then you have to, add, again, we just get to see the final take. You know, we don't know how many takes, but you, you have to applaud these guys for the dedication, for the discipline. And it's one of the things that made it so good. I remember, uh, it was like the first Spider-Man movie. And they used so much CGI in that. Hmm. I don't know if they would use as much now. So much CGI. And I was sort of disappointed because I was like, that's not, look, movies already aren't real. They're already fiction. So now we have fake. Inside of the fake is pretty much where I was at. You know, there were no sequences of him really like swinging on a web. All of that was CGI. And the one or two instances where he was, you know, where it was the real dude, wasn't that big of a deal. So I didn't really care too much for it. When they did the reboot, which a lot of people didn't like, I appreciated it more because a lot more of the scenes were, you know, a guy doing some real stunt work, doing some real jumping, which I thought, okay, fine. That should be fine for Spider-Man just to execute these things. Not every jump has to be 20 feet. Okay, not every movement has to be speed of light. So I was, you know, I was really appreciative of that. And then coming over here, it's that dedication, the time that people are willing to put in, okay, the, the sacrifice of their body, the sacrifice of the time to get that quality in there. Because at the end of the day, even though we know it isn't real, we want it to be as real as possible. We want it to look as real as possible because we want to suspend disbelief and totally invest in what's going on over here. Can't do that if you know it's fake. Now you have your Star Wars scene in the elevator where they got to swing across. Um, and this is where he, shoot, he throws back to the classic line, there's no spoon. He, now he's self-encouraging. He's encouraging himself. That's good. <laughs> that, that's good because we, there's not going to be... You got to do it at some point, Neo. Right. So he shoots it. He reminds himself there's no spoon. There's nothing to be fair, scared of other than fair itself because none of this exists. Really? So he's like, why would I care about what's going to happen next here? FDR, huh? FDR? Oh, yeah, why not? <laughs> um, and then, and then he, he, they get zipped up. And also, like, you know, again, if you want to go along the, the romantic theme, again, if you're in love with somebody, you got to make them fly. You got to simulate flight. Um, so he, he grabs in his arms and they go and off they go into the, flying to the to, to the top of the roof. That is true. That's Superman. That's unbreakable when he's walking up the stairs holding holding her and she wakes up and it's like she's being lifted off. You know she's being yeah. lifted off there. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And it's also Titanic when he puts her in the front of the ship to the point she can't see a ship and she's just flying. Um, yeah. So, so you know, and as I always told myself, if I was to get married, I would I would my proposal would somehow simulate uh, flying. That's like the, the Cool, cool way to. I can't repeat anything else because we're on the spinner rack, baby. You know, keeping it, keeping it, keeping it PG for the spinner rack. Um, and now we're, we're on. Okay, so now. So keep it PG and finish. People um, want to know. People want to know. So, okay, so now this is the idea again. Just uh, simulating flight. 
whether it's a hot air balloon or or, or, or whatever it is, you, you want to simulate flight um, and, the, and the endless possibilities of love and, and the continuing of that relationship. Uh, Mio's on the roof. He does an iconic scene from the commercial. He falls back. We see bullet time. Right, and Trinity comes to bail him out and this. looks completely hot doing it. <laughs> Love this scene. But more importantly, he was believing in that sequence right there. Not even going to doubt himself some more. Or yeah, because he got shot. Yeah. Okay, he did everything. And she's going to say, I've never seen anybody move that fast. I'm like, not fast enough. <laughs> not fast enough. Got to keep, gotta keep doubting. <laughs> got to keep doubting. Okay, and again, it's part of the story. It's part of his character. <laughs> it's part of the story and it's part of his character. But, you know, again, good writing. Where, like, he leans back and he's able to dodge everything except one. Except one. And that'll be enough to keep that little bit of seed. It's those two seeds, okay, that we have. If you have faith that is the size of a seed, you can do whatever you want. But at the same time, if you have doubt, that one seed of doubt, it, you know, it eradicates it. There are two really potent things. Like the story of, what's this guy? Uh, Peter. St. Peter sees Jesus walking on the water, Okay. And he's like, Lord, if that's really you, command me to come to you. And Jesus is like, all right, come over here. Walk with me on the water. <laughs> and he gets out and he walks with him on the water. And he's like, this is great. This is great. And then it's okay as long as he believes. Then he's like, wait a minute. I can't walk on this water. Bloop. He goes right into the water. Jesus pulls him up like, Pete, come on, man. You were doing it. All you had to do was keep believing it. You were doing it. Like, uh, he's like, you know, well, uh, you know. But again, it's that sequence right there. When he had, when, as long as you have faith, no problem. But the doubt. Okay, the doubt. And it just comes back to being a human being. You believe in yourself, you got no issue. No issue whatsoever. Maintaining that belief. And then there's a, there's a difference between like genuine belief and souping yourself up with like mm -hmm. some manufactured conceit. Mm -hmm. You know, well, I, I must be able to do anything because, you know, I'm so full of myself. You know, those are different things. But those again come from doubt. Conceit is that false sense of belief in yourself, you know, because you doubt. So you put all these extra trappings on, okay, and have this this air and this arrogance that will come from it. Yo, this is the scene. He's like, Morbius, come on. Like, dun, 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 dun. And he's like, his eyes are falling back. His eyes are focusing. He is going to break his chains. <laughs> yes. Yes! Yes! <laughs> it's like, I'm out! Woo. This is why you paid for Lawrence Fishburne to be in this movie. Okay, and the same thing. He's going to do what? It'll be everything except for one bullet. Yep. <laughs> one bullet. Because if he didn't get hit by that one bullet, right. he would have been able to make the jump on his own. Right. So now what happens? Neo finishes it. Meets him halfway. They got to hold it. They got to be able to hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I got you. All right? I've got you. Yep. Which now Morpheus... Which is symbolic of what? All that stuff that we're trying to get at. This is humanity. This is humanity at the end of the day, okay? Don't worry. I'm going to catch you, okay? Yeah. I'm not going to let you fall. I've got you. The same way that you... I've got you. We're going to make it. We're going to get through this whole thing. And that's the beauty of this sequence because it only works if they all have faith in each other, mm. okay? Morpheus has to have faith. I'm going to reach out over here. He's got me, okay? He's holding on. I've got you. We're going to make it. Trinity, Trinity's turn is going to come up later because that plane's going to go down. He's like, wait a minute, I got to be able to save her, wrap everything wow. around. And at no point does anybody try to save themselves. Everything is in the hands of the other person. That's us as people, people. When we, you know, when we do this, we're dynamite. We're amazing. 
Okay, when we believe, when we know that this other person has our back, no problem. But too many of us want to be like that jackass cipher. I'm in it for myself. I don't believe, blah, 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 blah. But we're working together, nothing we can't accomplish. So like belief, belief in self and belief in, in each other. But that's what it is. When we believe in ourselves, we're also allowing ourselves to believe in other people. You believe in humanity. Yes. The power of humanity. We're not believing in a lion. We believe in the power of our own humanity you know, and in humanity in general. Yeah, we're not believing in a mosquito. And that was a great explanation. I always wondered to myself what was happening there. Was he like telepathically telling her and telling Morpheus to get up, or like what, what was? Or, or, or was, I guess it was yeah. He kind of speaking toward that connection. Yeah, everything. That, everything that, has to go. She has to cut that line. She just reaches out for the line. She doesn't know he's holding on for it. Okay, he grabs the line. He doesn't know she's gonna reach for it. You know, all of that stuff right over here. It all breaks down to belief. Okay, it all works only if they believe in each other. Other than that, nothing is happening. And this just seems like dun 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 dun. And then, then, then cut the tank. He's like, I knew it. He's the one. He's pulling out like, yep, yep, yep. Yeah, okay, yep. And then she's looking at him like, what? Like she's like, you're my baby. You're the you. You're like, you. You've grown up. <laughs> you're so. You're so. Masculine. <laughs> Morphe jumps in. Do you believe it now? Like he comes, he jumps, he jumps in the shot. Do like, you believe it now, Trinity? You, you believe he's it like, now? He's like a proud. He's like a proud dad. Like, That's right. It's like I saw the whole thing to fruition. Do you believe it now? She told you exactly what you need. He's trying to doubt, but the oracle like, no. She told you. Don't think about it. So he told you what you needed to hear. Yeah, he needed a slap for that. But the oracle, shut up, man. Shut up, man. Good grief! You do all this stuff over here, and you still don't get it. What's it gonna take? I mean, it really, it, you were right. It boils down to what the oracle says. What? It takes like that, it's going to take that bullet. <laughs> it's going to take that bullet in his next life and say, okay. But what, at the end of the day, what is it going to really take? It's going to take love. Mm -hmm. It's going to take to the point that like, no, she loves him so much, she's not going to let him die. Mm -hmm. Okay? That's how, much he, that's how much she loves him. I'm not going to let you die. That's how much I believe in you. Okay, because if I'm, what is it, if you die, then this whole thing is wrong, the feelings I have for you are, are wrong, and they can't be wrong because I love you. Now get up and get back into it. Hmm. Uh, but if, hey, I, don't, I guess after working with, you know, after working with a, a certain type of age group for a, a period of time, and really trying to get them to espouse and trust in their you know, tr trust in their decision-making ability, trust in themselves, you know, to really get that portion done. This film, this film is uh, a lot of what, is a lot of what you have to deal with with that age group. And then, you know, it goes back to, I don't know, Neo, I mean, he's a grown man over here, but he's still, I don't want to say man-child or, any, or anything of that nature, but they say like the average person, the aspects of their personality are fully formed by the time they're 14. And that's because they, they don't grow anymore. They're not reading. They're, they're not exposing themselves. They're not uh, to different things. They're not taking risks with their intellect, you know, with them. And not with their body, like, trying to jump off something. Healthy risks. Well, yeah, along those things so they can actually grow. And we're, you know, we're, everybody's with this, you know, this BS evolution. You know, we're going to evolve. We're going to evolve. It's like, no, changing your mind is not evolving, okay? Expanding your mind is evolving. You, you can change your mind easily. You want a steak? Yeah, sure. We don't have a steak. Uh, you know, you know, you can be rigid and say, I only want a steak. You can change your mind. Okay, give me the fish. That's not a big deal. Okay. Evolve, you know, and I'm not so big into it either, but really broadening your mind, really broadening your mind is something totally different. Okay. Now again, we have the phone booth. Phone booth is not operable any longer. Okay. 
He can run. He got a choice. No, no, no. This is, again, this is symbolic. Okay, this is symbolic. Even his mentor is telling him run. Yeah, for me, again, very symbolic because the, uh, he can't go back now. He can't be Clark Kent anymore. Okay? Mm. He can't go back. You can't be Clark Kent. Now you have to be Superman. Okay? Now you have to. Nice. Okay? You have to engage. You have to go with everything that you're supposed to be. You have to be as strong and as powerful as you know that you can be, even if you're afraid to. Because that's the only way out of this. Equals. Ooh. For right now. Okay, this will equals. Right, we're going to be able to, you know, you're going to be able to give me a good fight. I'm going to be able to give as good as I get. All right, we're on the same playing level. Because if not, they wouldn't have had to shoot him. Yeah. Woo. Okay. Now, all the martial arts heads in the house, I am certain that you will be able to identify a lot of these disciplines right over here. Okay, definitely the Taekwondo should be apparent. Hugo Weaving style is karate without a doubt. Okay, you can see it from the power, you can see it from the stances. Okay, not so much gung fu, which is going to have both hard and soft. He's hard. Okay, really hard. But again, a lot of people think that doesn't mean it's very effective. It's incredibly effective. In, in karate, the blocks, a lot of people have never felt you throw a punch, they do a block, that block hurts. Everything hurts. It's like hitting a tree, okay, when it comes down to it. Gung Fu, however, allows you to be hard, but the softness to allow to lure the opponent into certain moves where you can then come back and apply even more punishment, more pain at the same of the day. Now, Neil's form, if you look at it, you can definitely see the elements of Wing Chun, where he's not, when he's most effective, he's not kicking above the, he's not kicking too much above the waist. So it's going to be legs, maybe like to the abdomen, but those kicks are going to be efficient. They're going to be quick. You know, they're not going to be showy. And okay, the high kicks are, you know, they're, they're for movies yeah. and everything. But when you see him at his best, okay, it's those forms. And then, of course, yes. Okay, and now... He gets, a, he gets a good shot from the agent um, before he gets into his, like, his pose. And, you, and he, he, you cut to Trinity, who's like his corner, his corner man. Yeah, but right over there, that was, again, well, at least the way I always took it, that was symbolic at that portion. When he goes over and he does that move, it looks flashy, but it's a switch, okay? He's not going, he's not doing e external anymore. He's now, okay, I'm going to go internal, Okay, the I mean, they're external they're external exponents of martial arts and they're internal, meaning that they're these guys who are like incredibly good, but their forms are external. You can say that they've done everything dealing with the body. The internal guys are the guys who are drawing their power from breathing, mm. okay, from having these stances for you know incredibly long periods of time. And there's where Neil thought I would thought he did the switch, like, no, I'm gonna go internal at this point. It's going to be more about what I can bring from the. It's going to be more about what I can bring from the inside out because I'm not going to beat this guy externally. External, he's the master when it comes down to it. It's not going to happen. And then we see, hey, internal, external, doesn't matter. <laughs> it's not going to matter. This guy is just, you know, you can't beat this guy on his level, okay? And you've been on his level. It's too much of a match. It's too much of a match at this point. Now, we got a Star Wars move coming over here. Let's see if you can identify it before we get it. Can you identify it? Well, he like ju jumps up and like hits the... Hits yeah, the yeah, thing. yeah. Star Wars. Which film? Uh, see how cool you are. I don't know. I don't are know. you Professor C.A. or are you Professor B.X.? Oh, my goodness. Okay? I don't know why you do this whole B.X. It should be B.K., you traitor. I know I was raised in B.K. Nope. That was 
Empire Strikes Back when Luke Skywalker jumps out of the carbonite freezing pit. Oh, right. He shoots, he shoots right out. Woo. And it's cool. Like, he, he beats... Um, but look at why he's able to... Uh, sorry to cut you there. Right. But look at why he's able to get out. It's the same thing I was talking about with Morpheus. He has room to maneuver. Right. He has options. He's able to use the environment right. to his benefit. Right. It's no different than what Morpheus does in the second film. Right. Now, notice in the background, they flash to the three. Mm -hmm. So he's not all the way there, but he's almost there. He's, on, he's, he's, on, he's not 303 yet. But so we're going to see a zero three. and then another three? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, because to, to the point that he's in this outright beat, um, the agent, he fights him to a standstill. So, like, he, he now definitely raised the game. Which, again, and I'll, I'll stay again for Morpheus, this is all that Morpheus did in the second film. He fights him to a standstill. It's pretty much the same thing. He's able to knock him off where he just gets him off his back. Right. Okay, the guy immediately reappears, which is the fight that he has here, but he's not, it's not like he all of a sudden got some extra power and defeated him. Or, you know, it's still in line with what we see from the, it's still in line with what we see from these films here. I remember wanting a phone like that. I know. Well, everybody, everybody did. Those were the, you know, that was a cool phone and it, you could run through the street. Get pulled over. What are you running in the street for talking into a phone? Yeah, this is like one of the first, like, uh, superhero films. Like, really, like, this is, really nothing had come out yet from Marvel. Uh, at this point in time, they were... Well, they, they had X-Men, didn't they? Oh, maybe, maybe X-Men. Um, but now they... But X-Men aren't superheroes. They, they were hinting at Spider-Man. By the time this movie had come out, they were kind of like talking about like Spider-Man was coming soon. Well, this was right in that void because what did we have? X-Men came out and then you had The Adventures of Batman and Robin, which was thoroughly oh, panned. Oh, man. That was... Which was thoroughly panned. So they were taking... They were going to take from a break from Batman. There hadn't been a Superman film since 1986. There were some comic book movies like The Crow, which was based on a comic book, but not a superhero mm -hmm. film. And Men in Black... Well, Men in Black, I think, was later. But there weren't any... Yeah... In, in the superhero, in the actual superhero vein, no, not a lot of films. So this is the precursor to it. But a lot of the stuff, again, when you saw it, when you see Neil flying, you're like, oh, great. That's how Superman would look. But Superman wasn't there. <laughs> and then, you know, they got, to the, they got to a lot of the stuff before, you know, they got to a lot of the stuff before he did, even though I, I, I enjoyed Superman Returns. I like the shot of him, like, with the camera on his back as he's, like, falling down to the alley from doing the leap. I was like, okay, maybe that's what Spider-Man would look like. That was, that was really cool. Well, they, they, they borrowed heavily. You know, all that freeze framing in air, the running on the walls, all the stuff that these guys were doing. And all they were doing was thinking, hey, why can't they just run on the wall? Why can't they do this? The rules don't apply. And but that's one of the problems they have with, that's one of the reasons why his power is, as much as he's going to be empowered here, they're going to have to lessen it in the next film. Because a lot of guys don't have the imagination, let alone the creativity, to approach a character that can do anything. And in The Matrix, Neil would be able to do anything. All right, it's hard enough for us to be creative with certain... We are still like, hey, we got to have some rules, right? Because if we don't have rules, the audience isn't going to be entertained. We don't know. We've never seen a character who can do anything and be entertained by one. Okay, we haven't constructed that sort of story. But again, that's the limitation. That's the check we keep putting on ourselves and then putting on these characters. And then once we do it, like, okay, we got to scale him back. And then it becomes a repeat of a lot of the stuff that we saw before instead of seeing new things. And it's some more imagination as to what he could actually do. But, I mean, because at the end, what are we saying? That he could rewrite the Matrix. Right. We get to reload it, and it's like, hey, upgrades. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> I guess the Matrix said, no, we won't be re rewritten that easily. But, you know, it's a, a definite scale back from what we saw right over here. <laughs> All right, and again, we got the juxtaposition of, you know, these guys are slowly cracking away, getting inside. You know, peeling away the layers. They're getting over here. The hole's been breached. We're running out of time. 
Back to the original and he's running hotel. Out of, he's running out of time. He's on the third floor. Back to 303. Right into the lovely arms of the evil Agent Smith, who's have the gun aimed at him and shot. Now, how did he know he was going there? I have no idea. Well, remember, early in the film, he was already there. Mm. He was already there, and why was he there? Because this was the whole, that was where Trinity was. Okay, and that was the setup point with who? Cypher. Right. Oh, right, 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 right. So he already knew that was the spot he was going to go to. Man, he's got to unload in him. Okay, unload. One bullet's not going to do it. Two bullets aren't going to do it. Okay, even he's realizing this guy is something different. Okay, I'm not taking any chances. I'm putting him down. I'm putting him down. If he was smart, he probably would have put one in his head. Okay, because right. that would have right. been the end. Of, that would have probably been the end. Because again, this is all a simulation. Which, which is what Morpheus said. They have any idea what you are. They would kill you. Right. But he still doesn't understand. A bullet in the head might have been successful because I don't think his mind would have been able to surpass. I've been shot in the head. I should be dead. That's going to officially shut it down. The body shots, oh yeah, this is something I can come back from. You know, because again, this is, all, this is all a simulation at the end of the day that he's inside of. Right? So he's great now. Okay? Got rid of him. You know, goodbye. Okay? And again, goodbye, Mr. Anderson. Goodbye, son of man. Because who's coming now? The one. Superman. She's like, I'm not afraid anymore. Yeah, what were you afraid of in the first place? If you had told this dude, well, hey, I can't put it on you, Trinity, because he should have been able to do it on his own. But again, ladies, this is what you need to do. Make these dudes work, okay? Make them work. These guys are so lazy out over here now, okay? Mm -hmm. They're just lazy. They want to sit around. You've been with this dude, what, two, three years? He's not proposing. He's not doing anything. What are you doing with him? You have shown him everything that he needs to see at this point, and what is he waiting for? Get, leave him. Find a real dude, okay? And when you find him, make him work, all right? These guys are just sitting over here waiting for this. Oh, I'm going to wait till enchanted love just falls in my lap. Hey, dude, it's not going to fall in your lap, okay? And if it does, you're going to lose it because you're so busy over here playing a damn video game. Get up, you slacker. Yeah, finally. That's right. See? Power love. That's right. His heart is beating. And she tells him, get up. Get up. She's a standard setter. Okay. Get up. Get up and work. Fight. Wait, what? And he says it before they shoot the shoot the shows like he's outside of space and time. He says no before they even fire the bullets. Oh my goodness. Oh, this is the gravy. That's right. You're the one. You're the last dragon. You're Superman. When and you're... all and all it took was what? All it took was belief in yourself. But in order for that belief to come, what had to happen? Love. Okay, once you realize, hey, wait a minute. Okay, she actually loves me? Yeah, now I can do everything. <laughs> the power of love. Of course he's the one. <laughs> of course he's the one. You knew it, Morpheus, even though we need you to say Now he sees the Matrix, and I love that my favorite scene is the scene now where uh, Agent Smith comes to fight him, and he's fighting with two hands. He goes, Look, I don't have to fight him with two hands. And he literally see him thinking about it. Like, oh, he can see everything happening. He's like, well, wait a minute, I can do it with one hand. Yeah. He's not even looking at him. Like, what the frick? The speed, the grace, and the, the futility of all of his actions. That was, the look on, that was the look on Neo's face. He was like, none of this matters. Yep. He was like, none of this matters. He's beyond haters. He's like, look, keep on hating haters. I'm like, okay. He's like, your Twitter feeds are not doing anything to me. Now, there's your big problem. Okay, right here. Oh, you didn't like that? No, 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 no. That was fine because this is everything that Morpheus said. He was like, you're going to be able to do whatever the hell you want. You're going to be able to rewrite the rules 
none of this stuff is going to matter to you. But this is the problem with doing a sequel. Because you this is that. what he shows right over here. These guys are meaningless. What type of upgrade would be able to resist that when he can do whatever the hell he wants right over right. here? Okay, look at him. He's making it move simply by breathing. Move. Yeah. He's got the glow. <laughs> yeah. And then you go to a second movie, and then what are you going to do with that? You, you've got to scale him back. Why? Because where do you go from there? To very court, from very to dance ballet like fight scenes. <laughs> Again, and I enjoy, I I enjoyed Reloaded because I enjoyed Reloaded because of the theme. I enjoyed Reloaded because of the theme that were being put across. The uh, the fight scenes were very good. The chase scene was excellent. So there was still a lot to enjoy in that movie, even though I didn't agree with the scaling him back. But that's why again, this was this was this, this was never designed to be a, a trilogy. As much as they say, oh yeah, we can make a trilogy. Yeah, I could make a trilogy out of a whole bunch of stuff too that's designed to be a one-shot. But this is a one-shot thing. We got what we need. His, this story is over. You can imagine about what may happen from here on in, but this story is, this story is ended. Okay, Thomas Anderson is fully Neo. He's the one. Of course, those of you who didn't realize that Neo is also one, if you just rearrange the letters around, mm -hmm. you know, he's the one. We knew that from the beginning. He just had to believe it. He finds true love. Okay, Trinity's prophecy is actualized. Morpheus's prophecy is actualized. And then we get to the end right over here where he does. And I remember being in the theater watching and he's telling them, you know, look, you know, I get it. You know, I get it. And he's not coming across. It's more Jesus like than anything. He's like, I'm not coming to beat you guys down. He's like, I'm not coming to beat you guys down. He's like, you know, I get it. You know, I'm not coming over here. I know you're afraid and so on and so forth. But we can't keep we can't keep this going on. OK. This can't continue. This is wrong. And I'm going to show these people something that they've never seen before. Okay? I'm going to bring these people out of it by showing them something that you can't refute with any of these things going on right over here. Because it's something that doesn't exist in our real world as much as we dream about it and believe it. We know we can't fly. So when we see that, that has to throw everything out of whack. And then get that great buildup from Rage. Rage Against the mm -hmm. Machine would wake up. And again, stepping out of the phone booth. Who steps out of the phone booth? Superman. Man, yeah. Superman steps out of the phone booth. He's looking around. All these people over here, I'm going to inspire them. I'm going to show them that you are much more. You are much greater than any of these trappings, any of these surroundings. And I remember being in the theater thinking, yeah, he's going to fly. Yeah. I remember thinking that before he even did it. I was like, he's going to fly. He's going to fly. But <laughs> got it. seeing is believing, right, for, for, for a lot of people. <laughs> Little smile. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, yeah. He tells us exactly what he's gonna do. So forget the leap of faith. This dude's flying. Ooh, come on! All right. Well, hey, we appreciate you sticking around for the entire time. We hope you enjoyed yourselves. And who knows? Maybe we'll come back for Reloaded. We will definitely not be doing Revelations because we don't want to insult any of you. <laughs> Anybody who would stick around for that amount of time, who knows? I may contradict myself later. But Calvin Ellis. And you know me, Professor BX. For Spinnerack, okay? Hope you enjoyed our commentary on The Matrix. Excellent film. Excellent. Hope you're having an excellent time. We'll talk to you later. E-double. Out.